Middle Cough! Hey, be hey! Week one of the NFL season, Sunday night. And here we are. It finally happened. We finally came. We did make we it. We actually pulled it off and made it here. Think of all the times we said, like, it's it's here. This is preseason. The OTAs, football is here. And then it was like week one of the preseason. Football is here. It was Thursday night football. It's like football is here. It's never really here until you get that first Sunday. Very true. Yeah, I had butterflies this morning. I, I had some butterflies this morning. Once uh, Scott Hansen, they actually did a pretty cool, like, five minutes before the game, uh, that 9-11 anthem rendition they did on all the channels mm-hmm. it was pretty powerful right into the right into the game it was cool uh butterflies about the about the lock of the week is that what was uh making a little no just butterflies were just you know we, we spent a lot of time talking about this and building up to it it's just finally fucking here you know it's just like okay you know live up i hype you up national who? football league who up? oh national football uh, i mean you know it's, it's, i thought maybe like, you were what? talking about somebody in particular <laughs> No, it's like sometimes you wonder, like, why are you, why am I defending this thing that they don't need me to defend or you or anyone? It's like, this is the NFL. It should be fun. Uh, and it was. It was a good, solid. You know, I wouldn't. I, I'd give today like a 7 out of 10. Chiefs, Browns, probably the best action I saw. I got to tell you, John, I was a little out of phase and out of practice. You know, if, if we were breaking down the field, be like, ah, Hayward, you're out of phase right there, whatever that means. I was a little out of phase in the afternoon. I don't feel like I fully appreciated Chiefs Browns as it was happening. I'm not exactly sure. It's just me. I, w- I was a little rusty. I was like a. I was like Jamar Chase in practice, not game Jamar Chase. We got a sweet touchdown today. Yeah, he did. But <laughs> you know? um, him but, and Sewell, you got to give the, you know those guys got shit on for the last month. Sewell for the most part handled uh, 97 pretty well, and well, Jamar yeah, they Chase moved had a touchdown. Back, he went back to left tackle. I think both those guys were like, hey guys, can we just calm down? We're blue chippers. I feel good for them. Let's they both games. took a lot of heat. Jamar need- Chase, like, quoted Florio last week, making fun of him with the white lines on the balls. Well, he did say it. <laughs> I think he took him out of context, though. Okay. Is there uh, more white on a college ball than the than the NFL ball? The NFL ball has no – it does not have the white line. You know, the college ball has, like, the two – Oh, yeah. The, oh, I see what he tips. said. Honestly, I, yeah. I, I didn't really even focus or think that deep into what he said, but I guess that makes sense. So yeah. he's saying that he couldn't see the spinning motion probably as well or whatever. Right. Makes sense. Right. Maybe he's, I don't know, colorblind. I, you know, I'll do respect to the colorblind. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that was some, some factor, but um, it was, uh, it was the game. This is all in all seriousness. I mean, not really seriousness. This is, we're just doing this. It's, it's a, the whole thing is based on the games. Like we spent, there's a lot of time that we spend talking about things that are not the games. But at the end of the day, eventually, games have to be played for all that stuff to work and for all that stuff to matter and for all that stuff to be fun. For whatever reason, it's fun for you. You might be watching some players. You might be loving a team. It might be about your fantasy. It might be about gambling. Whatever it is, it's all centered on the games, the games, the games, the games. I've been saying it for years. It's the games are the centerpiece of the whole thing. And today we get there, the there is less hype. You know, I think you feel it a little more in college football. Like, because there's so much hype on new coaches. In the NFL, I think most people thought the Lions are going to suck, right? Or the Bengals and Vikings aren't quite as good as they are. Now, you still play. You learn stuff. Definitely about individual players. 
I do feel feel there's a little less hype in the offseason, and it's just more realistic. Like, you either are or you aren't what you are as an NFL team. There might be, you know, obviously there's always a worst of first. I, I feel like in college, they anoint in the offseason. Like, Steve Sarkeesian and Texas fucking 11 wins! And it's like, they right. get beat by Arkansas. I, you know, for the most part in the NFL, yeah, I guess maybe it happens. Sirianni with the Eagles... Probably a lot of people think he was going to suck, and then he came out and won his first yeah. game like thirty-nine to five or something. So, right, you know, pretty good. Yeah, I, I saw he said Howard Eskin asked him like, "What was it like?" He's like, "Honestly, before I went and gathered the team, I just took a moment outside the locker room by myself and realized like I was pretty. You know, I just had to take a deep breath. <laughs> that was pretty cool. You, you know, realize Peter Schrager. You know, I think tweeted last night or early this morning. Felt like it was Robert Sala, but he's like, just got That's off the phone with so a f- first-time head coach. He's like, I got the I got the jitters, I got the butterflies. It's midnight Saturday, and I'm still game planning. It's like, yeah, it sounds like the bald guy in New York. But I, his Could point kind of is like, it's a it's a cool moment for like Sala and Sirianni. Like, it should happen pretty fast for those guys. Cool moment for Arthur Smith till it wasn't thirty-two to six. Uh, this show is sponsored by you guys have done a great job again this weekend sending us photos of you doing whatever it is you do on the weekend with our sponsor tito's handmade vodka Mm-mm. you know what i found out you know what i found out this morning guy we have what? a decent amount of sunday drinkers uh yeah. and a lot of them tito's we they were going uh they were going bloody mary's I saw some people going with the uh, the kickoff special, the a little kickoff, OJ, a little kickoff. soda, you know, obviously a transfusion, probably after lunch. But, you know, Tito's Vodka, the number one vodka in America, made by our friend, even though we've never officially met Tito Beverage, who started this or, just, you know, out of nothing. No big deal. Yeah. You know, just independent guy, just trying to make it. And then he just developed the number one vodka in America. He's basically living the American dream. And we, uh, we're glad to have him on board, guy. We yeah. really are. It really, it's uh, he's like a very well balanced offense, right? Because it's built on the very high quality product. He's yeah. done it himself from the beginning, so it's like the player that you drafted. That's him. He never, you know, he didn't jump around to three different teams. Yeah, it, he got to start in philanthropy, like the company does so much of it. And it started. He was pouring drinks. That's how he started getting people to try his vodka. Pouring drinks at fundraisers. He would come and try, you know, get people uh, turned on to the Tito's. Then he does the thing where he, they're like, you got to come out and send your stuff to California. He's like, I can't make it. Just take it. Just take it. And he wins double gold. They're like, these people from somebody called Trader Joe wants your vodka. He's like, never heard of them. They're like, you should do it. So he does it. Blows up. Now it's everywhere. It's ordered by everybody. If you're not ordering it, you should be. Tito's Handmade Vodka, John. We're big fans. We've always been big fans. You didn't need us. They, They didn't need to get on the podcast for us to be the ones ordering Tito's. No. So hopefully you are too. American made, obviously, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. And uh, keep going and going and going and going and sending us the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep the savoring responsibly every day. Send us pics. Every day, send us pics. DM us on Instagram, Twitter, tag us, whatever you want to do there. Podcast also brought to you by MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. They'll match that deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. You can, uh, uh, if you accept the bonus, you have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds. You can also decline the bonus, but either way, use HAM1. Let them know we sent you. There is Monday Night Football. If you're uh, listening, if you're watching this live, you probably could get in on, uh, maybe you could get in on Sunday Night Football. It's about to kick off. But Monday Night Football, John, Raiders 
Ravens, or at least what's left of the Ravens. What do we got on that right now? John, well, tell me right we, now, what do we got on that? We got the Ravens minus four guy, and we got an over under 15, 15 and a half. Did you notice week one, a lot of underdogs didn't just come to play and cover. They won. Eagles won. The Chargers, by the end of that, was, was football team minus one. Uh, the Texans, what were they? I know when we were talking about it, they were plus three at home. That's right. One. These are outright winners. Pittsburgh, underdog, one. I mean, the, the Dolphins were an underdog on the road to the Patriots, one. Like they, We're getting a lot of underdogs winning, and we've seen it for years. Week one get a little weird. I, I My logic was simple. For months, every human's going to bet on the Ravens. When it was like five and a half, and clearly it's gone down a little bit. I think just the turmoil that they had, I'm sure the last two or three days, just got some people to jump on the other side. I, I just have always felt the Raven, or I mean the Raiders are the bet in this just because I think the money all season long, when I say season, I mean gambling season, the schedule up until this week has poured in on the, on the Ravens. I actually like it too. I hate to agree on this because, you know, then it's hard to make a counter argument and keep each other balanced, but... I agree with you on this. Just because it feels so obvious and this weekend has been about avoid the obvious. Now, to update every week what we're doing, every week until we run out of cash, we're putting $300 on our lock of the week. Yep, we did that Niners minus eight. And we did, uh, 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 what did we do, 100 on our dud of the week? We did 100 on the dud of the week and that went dud. And that went dud. Uh, that game was the Jags, Texans. We both agreed we kind of liked the... No, kind of. We liked the Texans plus three, but we didn't really trust anybody, so we took the under. And that game was like 14-7. to Fast. Midway through the first quarter. It was like, oh, that's a problem. So we lost on that bet. We'll have to find another dud. We'll do that in the middle of the week. We'll identify the dud. Our lock of the week... What I was texting people, Jeff Schwartz, like, bro, your rules about seven and a half point favorites on the road. Shut up. This was so easy. Niners against golf. It's a gimme. It wasn't a bad beat, but it was a bad not win. It's a bad push. It was yeah, eight. We got him at eight, I, it, and it was eight. It's damn close to a bad beat, guy, because it took an onside kick off fucking George Kittle. George Kittle's then face. Just, then just the two-pointer to ultimately push was, I mean, we're talking not inches, millimeters. I don't Honestly, I don't even know the difference between inches and millimeters. millimeters I just know millimeters are smaller. Are smaller. Yeah, but it, it was very, very close. You immediately called me, and then they showed the replay, and you could see the little the BBs and the pebbles, and it was obvious, and it sucked. But it's a push is way better than a loss. I will say that. Yes. You'd much rather have a win, but a push is, you know, you're not happy, but you're definitely not too angry. By the time we got to the push, it felt like a win. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> MyBookie.ag, promo code AM1. Once Debo Samuel fumbled, it was like a push would feel like a win at this point. So It, it was by far today the weirdest you know, six or seven minute stretch. It, it, it was, I saw someone tweet, it was 41 to 16 with six minutes left to go. You know, I mean, it got, it got weird fast. Like, very, very weird at rapid speed. And you're watching it going, this is weird. But then you just start doing a numbers game. You're like, well, you know, if they score here, and, you know, and then another onside kick, you're like, they, they could tie the game, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was 41-17 with two minutes left. And then they scored to make it 41-25. 41-17 with two minutes left. So then they get an onside kick, and yep. then they score the, you know, the next touchdown with the 
two-point conversion and make it a one-score game. So the if you watch the game, you don't go, God, this must have been a tight. The Lions, scrappy. You know, it took a little luck. Like you said, a fumble. The fumble was 41, when you said 41-17. So 41-25 uh, when he fumbled. No, no, 41-33. No, when Debo Samuel fumbled? It was 41-33. Oh, oh, yeah. What I'm thinking of is I saw on Twitter was six minutes left when it was 41-17. Jimmy has Debo open across the middle, which, you know, would have just leaked a lot more time and throws it behind him. And then it just kind of snowballed fast. Then they just kind of ran up some points and the way it got weird. But it could have just ended with the score looking dramatically different. Yeah. You know, it's one of those where, like, you have games that are really, really close that you end up winning, like the Chiefs, right? And that's one where it's like, God damn, this thing was close. The score looks close. We easily could have lost. That is not the case in this game. But I, I was watching on, I accidentally hit on, like, YouTube. Debo must have been talking. And yeah. Kyle said after the game where he's like, uh, how many guys in here are happy with that win? And the place was, you know, you could hear a pin drop, which is yeah. a good sign. Yeah, it is. And it maybe it helps things. You know, maybe locks you in a little bit more because next week will be more of a challenge for them. From every rain cloud, John, comes a rainbow. And I do wonder, we haven't decided yet what we're going to do this week. I do wonder, though, if we've just identified our Jaguars as the, as the team early on. They're going to play the Broncos in week two. If we've just found found our mark, so to speak, when it comes to the lock of the week. Now, I don't know because, you know, they're, they're, the teams they play are not necessarily the most trustworthy teams, too, given that they're not playing the best teams in the league from last year necessarily. So we'll have to we'll have to look around and uh, figure out what next week looks like. But is is that game in that uh, Dove Valley or Valley Ranch or wherever all the rich people live and the stadium is up there? I would imagine that game's in Denver, right? So that uh, might be uh, no. The game's in Jacksonville. Tough little start for Denver on the road, New York, and then Jacksonville, a little East Coast trip. I still yeah. like Denver. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. That's so. We'll see that what one. that number is. I might we'll like them up to like is, six or seven points. If we if we could get a um, if we could get a, a prop on Urban Meyer's uh, I don't know I don't know I don't know if Urban's going to make it all year long, John. Or, do you know what's funny is too. is I do think this game was pretty easy to just for the most part like I was I, I don't think anyone was ne- never crossed my mind they would lose. You're really just watching the Lions kind of making fun of them more, especially once it was like 31-10 at half. I'm sorry, that's a joke game. Any team that's down 31 to 10 at half on the road. Like, if this was any normal game where you didn't view like you were playing some cellar dweller, like if the Niners were playing at Arizona or whoever, and the score, whoever is up 31 to 10, the road team, you'd be like, oh my God, they're kicking the shit out of them. So that's how the way I just kind of viewed it. So I just started thinking about Lion stuff. Like, Dan Campbell really is as big as everyone made him. Like, he looks enormous on the sideline, even for football coaches. He was the biggest football coach I saw all, all weekend long, I think by a pretty wide margin. I guess I didn't see you that didn't see, much of Rabel. You didn't watch Illinois? Well, I don't necessarily mean like, you know, there are a lot of fat coaches. I'm talking just the girth and size of a guy. That if you just showed him, like, could that guy give you snaps right now? And you'd be like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Looks like he could. I mean, was a outlier probably as an NFL tight Among NFL tight ends, he's probably a physical outlier, right? Like the Niners, their sideline doesn't really. Have, they don't really That's have that look. Yeah, I mean, like Daryl Tap and D'Amico are both like six one. You know, I mean, their size, and then obviously the Welkers and the McDaniel, 
Kyle's just a skinny white guy. You know, there's they they did the graphic during the game, right? The Lions lead the league in former players. They had like ten Two, Sharon Glenn. Yeah. Uh, they had a bunch of guys. Uh, don't forget, everybody, get in the mailbag. You go to iTunes. You leave us a review. You leave a question. You tell us your favorite bar. That's how you get in the Haberman and Middlecoff mailbag. iTunes. Review. Five stars. Tell us your favorite bar. You don't not required to, but we, we'd love if you do. And uh, it's, it's a good way to connect the community, John, this community we have. And uh, leave us a question. Leave us a question. That's We're all part of it. the same community, guy. That's right. All part of Earth. Um, and uh, also, if you're watching the video, subscribe to the channel. Like the video. If you're listening to the podcast, check out the YouTube. If you're watching the YouTube, there is a podcast down in the description below. Do it. Get in it. Uh, anything else we need to add to the Niner game? We did a video immediately after that game about how uh, just everything kind of we just said that we don't – the final score was not we took away. I think there were things that happened in that game that mattered. Um their run defense early in the game. You know, you start scoring points. The Lions can't really run anymore, or at least it doesn't matter if they do. And, you know, that's that's going to be the recipe, I think, early on for this team. We'll get to some of their injuries and stuff. But the score didn't bother me. There were, as we'll talk about here, several things that came out of that game that you just kind of put you, you – I don't want to say on alert, but, yeah, on alert. You're on alert for a few things here. Yeah, just know this. When you run the wide nine defense, who uh, I was famously a part of with the the Eagles when we hired Jim Washburn, who is the mentor. It was Middlecoff on the right and Jason Babin on the left. His apprentice was Chris Kacarek, their crazy defensive line coach, who he taught when he went to Detroit. And it has its positives. It is a fantastic pass rushing defense. And you can make random defensive tackles good pass rushers like the Niners do with Street, and they will when Hurst comes back. And you can make really good defensive ends like Bosa and D. Ford dominate. But in the run game, when you're playing with a couple D tackles that are both – now, the Kinlaw thing, which I'm sure we'll get into later, you need a guy like that. Like even in the wide nine one gap, it's much easier to stop the run when you have Ndamukong Sue, Fletcher Cox, or Kinlaw, or Buckner, right? But when you have these little guys, even if you have a good, fast linebacking core with an elite middle linebacker, you can still get fucking gashed. And they were getting gashed because their line, they just go right up the field, the the tackles, right? Because they were, they were, it wasn't outside runs, it was up the gut. And they're small, and they're just, all they're thinking about is just get up the field. Well, what if I was an offensive coach, you're just getting up the field, I'm just trapping you or just hitting quick runs right inside you. And that's what it felt like. Because they weren't even getting touch guide till they were what? You know, where the linebackers stand, the running backs. Yeah. And sometimes they weren't, the, the whole, they were still running right by. It was, right. Well, those are the guys that have to make that play. And, you know, the running back's coming downhill at them. So, it was. Yeah, uh, which is part of the scheme. But it, it when you have the little, the little defensive, when Kinlaw's not in there, they are easily to expose in the middle of the defense. Well, yeah, I'm just saying it's, it's, it is incumbent on your linebackers to be able to make those tackles. But there is something to be said about your defensive tackles. Like, this is my pushback with the wide nine. Like, hey, guys, if it's first and ten and, you know, it's the third quarter and you're like, yeah, they basically ran on eight of the nine first downs. Let's uh, take one step up and then hold out. Like, let's uh, we don't have to fucking chase golf every single play. And that that is, I love Jim Washburn. I don't know this guy at all, but I know their mindset. They don't, fund, they, they fundamentally disagree with that assessment. Gotta get to the quarterback. There's no like, uh, you know, it's, 
Yeah, I, honestly, it takes that goal line or fourth and one for anything to change. It's get upfield. I mean, wide nine. Quarterback. It's, it's penetrate. It's, it's not. In the name. It's just penetrate. It's in the name of the wide. Like if you're an offense and you're like, well, what are these guys do? Like wide nine. It's like wide, like wide, like big, like this. Okay. Even if you don't know anything, it kind of piques your interest. Like maybe we could run the football. But part. But here's the, here's another, uh, just part of the value of the wide nine is you can take defensive tackles that for a lot of schemes, they would never fuck with them. Like Vic Fangio's defenses, he doesn't mess with like a little tiny defensive lineman just because he's fast. Those guys go, well, I can get seven sacks out of this guy. And they're not wrong. <laughs> like they, they can turn these little defensive tackles into kind of little penetrators. But they can also get, you know, blocked in the run game until the cows come off. Well, again, this is, we can talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, this, he had a good game. And uh, the key for the Niners, I think, after one week, if we're making if we're making proclamations about them, one is going to be playing from ahead. Now we've already, I think, established that with Jimmy's skill set, it's not a great skill set. If you're going to be a team that wants to run the football, then obviously playing from ahead, everybody wants to play from ahead. But for them, negating the run game a little bit, and then you can take advantage of a defense that's emphasizing pass rushing, is going to be a big deal because. Um, you know, as we saw early when that game was in the balance, even Goff kind of – Goff actually, I thought, looked better than he usually does against the 49ers on Sunday. But this isn't about him. It's about Jimmy. But I just – you know, I, I – a- average, average guy, he completed 38 balls, Jared Goff, and yeah. was not over six yards of completion. Yeah. I, again, I, he missed a lot of th- – he missed a few throws that actually were beneficial, like some throws that a better quarterback makes the defense pay on. I just thought he looked less frenetic than he usually looks against them. I agree. I would agree there. Uh, and I, Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy's, you know, the fumble on the opening snap. And I thought Center he... Center already sweating at his ass? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I thought he looked pretty comfortable. You know, given, all, given everything that we've talked about over the last year with him, I thought he looked pretty comfortable. Yeah, I just think Jimmy Garoppolo in a vacuum was his most calm game he's played since 2019. Last year, I never thought at any moment he looked as comfortable as he did today. Now, Especially not at the beginning of seasons. I, I, I think you do have to preface this with they were playing arguably a bottom two or three team. Like That is part of the conversation here a little bit when you're talking about just Jimmy and the quarterbacks. Obviously, Trey didn't really play, but just Jimmy was, Jimmy was good, but he wasn't really pressured that often. And when he, he was a couple times and... He's got a cool little, like, kind of up and under, and then he kind of still looks to lob it. You know, it's like kind of Jimmy's uh, go-to wow play, I would say. But the Lions, I mean, guy, they don't – the only defender you can probably name, like most people, would be Akuda, who's getting screamed at left and right. Their defense oh is not – they don't Michael have Brockers. much. Michael Brockers. Yeah, but, I mean, he's at this point in time a little older and, you know, You just asked me to name in. somebody. I named somebody. But I, my point is, like, they're just not – you don't have to worry about getting pressure. And that is an area sometimes I think with Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think we're going to feel more this week and we'll get way more into the Eagles game. But, like, they have a much better defensive line. So, like, to me where Jimmy gets out of sorts, right, is like you hit him a little bit, like any quarterback. But it's like then he kind of starts – I don't know. He just You can get him off, you know. Like, to me, the way to mess with Tom is, like, truly get him off the spot. But that doesn't mean – they mean get him off the spot, not because he'll freak, because like he's not athletic, so he can't step into throws. To me, Jimmy, you just want to kind of fucking hit him a little bit and then just kind of rattle him. 
the same knock on Derek. Once you get him, like you can't Mahomes like what, what, hit him like he doesn't give a fuck. You know, <laughs> same with like certain quarterbacks. Harder to hit too, right? Harder, harder to, hit, to hit, but it's also like harder to really kind of, I would say, derail their confidence. Like Jimmy today kind of felt even after the fumble, like they just kind of had their mojo. It's like oh, he's feeling it. And when Jimmy's a feel it guy, he can look like a top, I don't know, 12, 13 quarterback in the league. Once he gets momentum on his side, it's just it's hard to keep rhythm for four quarters of a game, right? You're going to have to make some plays that are are a little quote unquote off schedule, however we want to say it, right? Because his rhythm looks really good. It's just hard. A, a football game is long. Four quarters is a long time to have to win. We saw it with them today. We saw it with we saw it repeatedly over the weekend in college football. You you notice it in college football? It's like oh, if this there, game was three and a half quarters, it would be over. But I w- there's a different there's a much different rhythm. I, I text you on Saturday. I'm like, it is not unfair, but their their game is completely different with the stopping of the clock at the first down, like yeah. late in games when you're out of tight ends. Yeah. But they do feel college games feel longer. But the end, like I felt it today. I'm like, God damn, this preseason guys just come out and you're like, oh, the game felt like 35 minutes. These games do feel three hours. Yeah. I think the Browns Chiefs game is a good example. Like it was over, then it's not over. And we talked a lot about this last year, over the last couple of years. Now it didn't impact this game. You gotta be careful with like a team when they score in that first drive, you're like, oh fuck, you know, it's just easy pickings. But that because usually Sometimes that first drive, even for the worst team in the league, like what the offensive coordinator, they script the plays, things do play out. And that's why for the Niners, like in that first half, you're like, Jimmy Garoppolo's in complete control. Debo's dominating. Elijah Mitchell looked like he's a top 50 pick, not their six-round pick. And you're just like, they're kicking their ass. Elijah but Mitchell offensively. Offensively. Offensively, yeah. He looked, but but that's the offense is what we've been talking about for a long time. And uh, it's only week one. But is are there things on defense that are bigger questions than Jimmy Garoppolo? Right now, the answer to that yes. is yes. Right? Yeah, for sure. Now, here's what we also know. Over the course of a full season – Historically, there are games that Garoppolo has where he does not look as good as he looked on Sunday. And there are opportunities to replace him. He didn't really give the Niners any opportunities to replace him today. They got Trey Lance into the game, which we'll talk about. But he played the kind of game, like, does that Jimmy Garoppolo keep his job for a while? The answer is yes. You know, if well, his, if was as the opponent's level rises, if his level still stays at what it was today, the answer to that is yes. Well, one thing you noticed today that you just kind of forgot, mainly, I mean, I, I know I did. It's been so long since 2019. Both these guys were hurt last year. It's like, I, I know Jimmy and George have a good connection, right? But you forget, like, you know, when Debo Samuel's healthy, that guy's a motherfucker. And Jimmy and him have a connection. Like, Jimmy feels very, very comfortable throwing in the ball. And we can argue, and it's been hard to, like, you know, some of the other guys in his class, right, DK and AJ, they played more. They just, it was easy to kind of, uh, you know, have definitive takes on them. Where, like, you could argue one way or the other on Debo, and it was hard to be right or wrong. Where it's like, yeah, Debo, when he's healthy, is a fucking baller, right? Is he A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf? I don't know. But he's closer to them than, like, the middle class, right? Like, this guy at any moment in a playoff game, in week one against a bad team, it don't matter, can give you 8, 9, 10 for a buck fifty a touchdown or two, right? He can take over. And, and, and we, we were talking about it last year. It was like, you know, you got to figure out ways to just, you don't always want to run them. It's how we get banged up. Today, they just kind of, I felt like 
Jimmy just treated him like you're my you're my number one. Let's yeah. go kick ass and take names. Yeah, I mean nine catches for one eighty nine and a touchdown, John. That is D- didn't it, but didn't it feel like it felt like when ten was dropping back? It's like where's nineteen? Absolutely. And there were some plays clearly they scripted for him right on a couple like on that one across the middle. They're like the play was set up, but there was that other one where he threw up. It was like I trust my dude. Yeah, yeah. And he came back to the ball and made the play and, and actually showed some speed, too, which I shouldn't be surprised by. it. But you're right. He hasn't but had you know that what? I full, forget like what he plays like. You he know, hasn't like, had oh, yeah, two he years he of just him and two years with his quarterback, and it's just the two of them, and they just stack up nine-catch games week after week after week. You're right. I just feel like if you gave any Niner fan, like, give me the scattering report on George Kittle. I would say like 99% of the fans could give like a pretty damn good scattering report. If you just just got 10 people, including in the NFL, and like diehard fans, I think the takes on Debo would be all over the map. Well, they'd start with, well, when he's healthy, that's how they'd start. Yeah. When he is, like he has, I I don't, I mean, I get you're playing a team. I mean, let's be real. They might win two games. You know, maybe, maybe they could win four or five. I don't know. But it's probably more likely to be two or three than five or six. But you go nine for 190. Like, that's no joke. Right, that's a that's a real game. That's a stud game. That's a major. Because to me, you, you do like minus the inflation against a shitty team, and just put that against a good team. That's nine for ninety, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's whatever. I threw the ball at you twelve times. You caught it nine times. You scored a touchdown. I mean, one of them went it went for seventy nine yards. It's just production. It's just whatever production is. You know it when you see it, right? If I said, "Tell me what production is." You're not going to give me yeah. nine for 189. Just be like, I don't, I'll just, I don't know. I'll know when I see production is production. That's fucking A1 production right there. Th- 31 points, DraftKings. That's what Alex. I Alex felt bad when him? I saw, well, yeah, when I saw the corner tumbling just because earlier in the game when they showed the DB coach screaming at him, I'm like, I don't hope that's not Okuda. Like, I feel kind of bad. But then he comes to the sideline and the DB coach, like, kind of loves him up. My coaching's weird, man. You scream at him when nothing really happens, and then you love him up when he gets his like embarrassed on national TV. It's a it's a hard balance. Yeah, yeah the problem is when you screaming at him is embarrassing him on national TV. You know. <laughs> yeah. But by that point in time, maybe it wasn't quite on national TV. All right. So what's the evaluation on Trey Lance? One throw was a touchdown to his guy Trent Sherfield. Three carries for two yards. Uh with a long of two yards. So not very effective in the run game. Um, you know, I do think there are as good as well as Jimmy played. There are some things just kind of simmering around the perimeter on this team right now in terms of what's their defense going to look like. Are they going to have their, are they going to have Ayuk and are they going to have their full complement of running backs? And there's enough around them that you start to wonder like imperfect teams, everybody's imperfect in some way, shape or form. And the reason you want a top five quarterback is because the quarterback has the ball on offense in his hands on every play. And so he has the best ability to overcome whatever your team's shortcomings are. That person can erase some of those things. And so you already see some of the things with this team after one week that are going to have to be overcome, whether it's Iuke situation, whether it's Mostert's injury, whether it's Sermon, whatever's going on in the secondary with injuries defensively against the run game. I don't know. Well, it's, I do Week one, as always, you can jump to too many conclusions, but you can just kind of see where it could get to a point where you need a quarterback who could be more explosive than Garoppolo. 
But they didn't need that against the Lions. But we still got a little bit of Trey Lance. What'd you think? Well, the snap count in the first half, when there was like a real game and there was an ebb and flow to and they, Jimmy, out of 25 snaps, Trey played two. Now, part of that, we talked all week long. The right, both in the red zone. Yeah, would he be ready? Would he, you know, how would they even, like, would they bring uh, Sudfeld up? <clears throat> and they didn't. Like, he was ready to play, clearly. But it, did this derail their plans, or was it simply, like, the last couple weeks just derailed his play where he wasn't as good as he had been, remember, earlier in camp? So yeah. maybe we're just at the point where he's going to play. Because we talked about it after, like, the second preseason game. Could he play you know, 30% of the snaps. That's how it kind of felt like it could play out. Like one guy gets 15 snaps, the other guy gets 25. It doesn't feel like that's the way it's going to play out early on. Now, like you said earlier, part of that, Jimmy can just control that a little bit. Jimmy's rolling, the offense is playing well. They don't need to. They don't need a quote-unquote spark. But I also think the balance of bringing him in like he's, you know, I I don't know if he's really going to run like uh, what's his name with the Saints? Taysom, who's a little more explosive as a runner. He was a 4-4 guy at BYU. You know, when you do direct stuff with Kyler or Lamar, those guys are dramatically faster than him. Now, it might have just been first NFL game. I'm sure he had a ton of family there. Did look a little slow on the one, like, quarterback up the middle. Maybe that's just hesitation. But it did not, from a scouting eye, like, there was no quick twitch there. You know, if he's a four six guy, like he was, it felt like he was moving more like four nine or something. Right, right, yeah. Well, I mean, the the first part as it relates to he didn't get into space at all, right? Which is where you see speed the most. Now you're just talking about burst and how hard you're hitting. A I'm hole. just talking about hitting the hole. He kind of no, like, I understand. He just I understand, but, he was hesitant. I, but I also think there's probably a lot going on in terms of does he give? Does he maybe there's a throw option in some of these plays? That, I don't know. But there's a, at least a give option. He's got. He's reading somebody. It's not just take the ball and run with it, right? Um, not that you can't call that for. Yeah, him yeah, yeah. I, 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 as well. well, it could, it could, it could just it could be have been. a guaranteed keeper. Yeah. It could have been. They would yeah. never admit to that, but it felt like that just by the way he went. But you're right. Yeah. But then if you factor in, he did look hesitant. Maybe he not scared, but you're just like, wow. You know, there's a lot going on. First NFL play. You don't. He had said after the game, he doesn't. Kyle didn't tell him. Again, they could be lying, but I don't know. Kyle claimed he didn't some... even plan to put him in the game early, and it just happened, you know? For the touchdown? Yeah, the touchdown. But I, a couple things. One, you if, if, you th- if, if you're going to start Jimmy Garoppolo, then you do do him, you do do him a disservice if you're not giving him the amount of snaps that a quarterback needs to just have a good feel for the game, what the defense is doing, what the defense – like one thing, there's there's a difference between having a starting quarterback and mixing another guy in, and going with a two quarterback system where you're alternating possessions. And now all of a sudden, your starting quarterback comes in on the third drive to start the second quarter. Didn't see anything the defense did on the second drive after they adjusted to what you guys did on the first drive, right? And you're only yeah. getting half of the picture of the defense. And so you are if 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 you want Garoppolo to be the starter because you don't think Trey Lance is ready yet, you are doing Garoppolo a disservice if you're like alternating possessions with Trey Lance because now he's not he gets to the second half and he's only seen half of whatever it is the defense did in the first half. But Trey, you Trey was treated like the backup who was just going to mix in, and Jimmy was the starter today, not a two quarterback system, right? Right, right. And so and that's where it gets harder because on the other side of that coin, my take I'll, I've said it many times, and I think you agreed after that preseason game in which the first preseason game in which he played was 
he needs to play more. Like, he needs game speed. He needs to play more. So this is going to be a tough balance. And I think one thing we saw today, maybe the finger was a part of it. It's hard to know if he had been fully healthy, had not missed any practice. Would this have been what it was going to look like today? It's hard to know if they had played an opponent different than Detroit. Would this be how it would have gone today? But it Kyle said he feel- was going to give him like the garbage time, but then the game kind of flipped and he couldn't. There was no garbage. You know? Yeah, yeah there was um, no garbage time. Well, and I think Kyle also Kyle got spooked by the injuries, understandably. I mean, he basically said after the game, like he got spooked, and because yeah. he started trying to play safe uh, to protect guys. But, um, but I, I the, just based on what we saw today, it feels like if Jimmy, as long as Jimmy's solid, Kyle's going to err on the side of not not forcing Trey Lance in there more than he needs to to preserve at least what is. After one week, a good performance by Garoppolo. Now, that can change quickly. To me, it's going to be hard to gauge until we see Jimmy play against better teams to go, yeah, Trey shouldn't have played, right? Like like today. Like, just give him a couple plays. I'll have no issue with it. To me, it will be interesting if Jimmy struggles, how Kyle, like, does he operate in, like, pre the three batter minimum, mixing, like, I'm going to go Trey for these couple plays, then back in, and then back. Like, I, he will. But and does Jimmy can he build up enough equity where he gets a couple games worth, or is it just kind of is he going to live game to game? It's just the nature of their situation. Because what if Trey comes in and has some success? You're like, whoa, makes a couple sweet plays. Does he kind of get? I'll just let him kind of roll for a second. Yeah, because that you didn't need that to happen today. One, he threw the touchdown, and the other one, like he just got stuffed in a run. You're like, I'll bring him back out. Let's run. We're better off running Elijah Mitchell. Like that to me is what you're going to learn. Part of it is it's like, a really well, good he's not going to be that productive of a runner. I don't need to waste it on my quarterback, put him in harm's way, and take it out of the guy's hands. All right? to give the other team something more to practice, which is some value, but... It's out there enough now. Like, they know. Yes. Right? They're ready. They're practicing for him. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, we'll see next week. I would have... You, you play Jalen Hurts next week. Really quick though, before the Eagle stuff, just back, just on Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm still talking about Trey. Uh, I, I, I do think it is important, and they kind of mentioned this during the broadcast. And I think cognitively, he's probably thinking about this, and ideally, he wants to do this. But just the way the game plays out, your take has, was dead on from the jump. Once we learned, like Trey Lance, this guy needs reps. Well, giving him these reps for run plays, like I, I'm sorry, it's I, that's not really a rep, a game rep. Like he's gonna now. I guess you get a little more like, these guys don't hit as hard as I thought or all that bullshit. I need reps with him throwing the ball. <laughs> but then, logically, this is where it won't make much sense. What if Jimmy's throwing the ball well? So it's like, your guy's in there, you're trying to win these games, I'm just going to bring Trey in to throw the ball? Like, you're kind of just bringing him in to run, but the only way he can improve, like, let's face it, you, the instincts as a run are like, those, he either has those or he doesn't. To me, the throwing stuff is like, well, what is it? What does he do when you, Kyle, when you call that one play against too deep coverage? Like, does he have a good feel for that? What happens when they bring a blitz? Like, you need to get him those reps. Yeah, that's to me the balance. Like, I do you gain that much out of a run with if he has ten plays in the game and eight of them are runs? Like, does he develop? <laughs> no, not really. Not in the way you need him to. But no. I, but the reason I so, so two points now to that one. The reason I brought up Hurts was just we, you and I always talk over the years about when you see a big-armed quarterback play another big-armed quarterback. Let's see if let's see an athletic quarterback, right? He's the starter for the Eagles. Which is what does he look like on the field versus what does Trey Lance 
look like when he comes onto the field. That was the point I was making on Hertz. But here's the, and Joe Staley said this the other day, like you don't pay on this podcast. You don't pay Jimmy. It's funny to hear players talk about the money, right? Like you don't pay Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million unless you're going to plan to use him. So the Niners, yes, they're very invested in Trey Lance. They've, the, the picks that they spent to draft Trey Lance have been spent. And now the money that they have spent to, 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 pay, to make Jimmy Garoppolo their quarterback, that money is spent. It's all gone. They can't get the $25 million back. They can't get the, I guess, the two for three first-rounders, two first-rounders back, right? So, so none of that stuff matters right now today. It matters, I think, moving forward if your team isn't very good. It matters in the offseason when it comes time to decide what you do with Garoppolo. It matters if Washington football team gets on the horn and is like, hey, we're stuck. We need a quarterback, right? It matters if someone calls about a trade. But when it comes to deciding what you're going to do in the game right now, what gives your, chance the be- your team the best chance to win, the- they both have huge costs associated with them. And I say that because we always talk about it with Jimmy. Like, you spent all the picks on Jimmy. Uh, excuse me. We talk about it with Trey. You spent all the picks on Trey. Now you got to use him. Well, they've spent what they've spent. Now it's about who's ready to play and who can win. Yeah, I, I mean, I know what Joe's sta- saying. And I, I and listen, I, you and I, we talk about this nonstop. Everyone talks about this nonstop as a fan and YouTube chats and you name it. The money. Parag, Jed, they think about it a lot. I'm sure John Lynch across his mind. Once you get into a game, I don't think Kyle thinks for one second about whose salary and what they're invested in individual players, right? I mean, right. he knows no. who his best players are, and by that, like, on this team, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Fred Warner, Jimmy, like, they're paid the most. But, like, I, I don't think he's... Now that they're going, I'd argue now that it's over, that Jimmy's $25 million is pretty irrelevant moving forward. Like, just, just moving forward. Like, he's the starter because he's earned it and good, but, like... Right, but I'm saying right now the forward, second... So are the two first-round picks they spent on Trey Lance are irrelevant right now today. They're not going to be irrelevant for the future because he's the quarterback of the future. Yeah. But right now today, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Neither of it matters, right? The $25 right. Million or what you gave up, you're just like, what do you have to do to win at Lincoln Financial Field Sunday? And nobody, and you notice this really in college football, I guess it's because they immediately get interviewed after the game, the coach. Where the NFL, you have to like go to their team's YouTube channel to like watch their coach talk. He doesn't always get interviewed off the field. It's actually usually, I guess it's never a coach. No, it's always a player. But in college, they go right to the coach. And the coach with by the third question is 100% always after a huge win, bringing up their next opponent. Well, it's like, you know, we got, we got about, I give these guys about 12 more hours and, and we're on to, uh, we're on to Ole Miss. You know, we, we are on to UCLA. Where it's just, they always, it's like, God, you just won. And you're already talking about your next opponent. But I would say that 100% of the time, the next opponent comes up in the coaching interview on the field after an enormous win, where that's just the way these guys think. And I just, they're, the Eagles is going to be a complete, I don't even know why I went off on that tangent, but they're going to be on a completely different level than the Lions, ta- talent wise. Yeah. Which is fun, exciting. Like, I, I think we kind of, when the schedule came out, we poo-pooed kind of the start, and this game kind of lived up to the poo-poo, even though the last couple minutes were entertaining. The Eagles are in a completely different stratosphere, I'd say, than the Lions. And I'm not saying the Eagles are – I mean, they might be a seven-win team, but they're on a different level talent-wise, yeah, which is I'll, fun, which makes this game cool, like big. Also, on a really basic level, we'll talk about this as the week goes along, their quarterback does a thing that has given the Niners a hard time. It gives a lot of teams a hard time. Your quarterback is mobile. Jalen Hurts – 
rushed for 62 yards against Atlanta on Sunday, in addition to being 27 to 35 for 264 and three touchdowns. Now, Atlanta stinks, probably, but still, that was on the road. They beat the shit out of them. 32 to six. Before we go any further, let's tell the people, ooh, let's welcome back our friends, wineaccess.com slash ham. Wineaccess.com slash ham. We're right now, when you go to wineaccess.com slash ham, you basically save 33% because they're giving you $50 off on your first order of over $150 of some of the best say, wines in the world. Say that again. Do you, I will repeat. $50 off your first order of $150 or more. So stock up with some of the best wines, some of the hardest to get wines. They sent us again. This is the third time they've sent us shipments. You and I have both sent wine to people. We both ordered for ourselves. They sent us several bottles. Each bottle comes with recommendations of how to eat it. They recommended that the Two Angels Petite Syrah, which is oh. a $45 bottle, is perfect when you fire up the grill. So I don't need much uh, encouragement to fire up the grill, John. Grab a couple of steaks on Friday night, a couple of baked potatoes. Bam, 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 bam. You pop open the uh, Two Angels Petite Syrah. It was fantastic. You and I, we've actually done some wine tastings on this show. Highly recommend. Uh, $20, wineaccess.com. Habermans are living like kings and queens. Uh, listen, we've worked with Wine Access for this exclusive offer. Exclusive offer, guy. Get $50 off your first order of $150 or more. That's, that's fantastic. I, I can't recommend enough. Go use our special URL, wineaccess.com slash ham save fifty dollars people go get it it's uh for me i know when i started getting the wine access shipments i don't know much about wine every bottle comes with uh an explanation the history of it so you learn about the wine it tells you how to drink the i mean what to drink it with shipping's included by the way when you get six or more bottles so you can actually kind of rig the system if you get the 150 you're going to get the if you get if you spend uh, the 150 on six bottles, you're going to get the $50 off and you're going to get the included shipping. So that's just a little little pro tip there, John. Tip from the pros. Lay up. No, go for the green. Spend the 150, get the six bottles. Wineaccess.com/ham. Again, I'll just recommend the Two Angels Petite Syrah. You can throw that one in there, but you can get a bunch of $20 bottles, you can get $200 or more. They're te- they're what did we say, like 18,000 bottles, 20,000 bottles they sample over the course of the year, but they don't all make it. Only Ton. the best of the best make it eight, on the website. Only uh, one in 18, guy, one in 18. One in 18. Do not lay up. Right. Billy, Billy Horschel this morning, I saw BMW Championship uh, in Europe, yeah. won it. Yeah. He didn't lay up. Uh, so, yeah, get on it right now, wineaccess.com slash ham. How about our friends at DraftKings? How about Download the DraftKings Draft app, promo code ham. We just had Let's a game. It's actually still going now because the Sunday night game's going. You and I did not do farewell. Um and here's the key. You download the DraftKings app. You type in the promo code HAM. It's simple. Then you get $50,000, and you have to put a team together under the salary cap. And if you're like me or Guy, your team's not going to be that great. You're going to have Jalen Hurts on your roster and go, you know what, I'll take Sam Darnold instead. And you'll realize you're an idiot. You should have just gone with your gut. Take Kyle Pitts because everyone told you how great Kyle Pitts is. Then you look down, he's got like three points. You're like, yeah, I knew I should have taken Devontae Smith. He had a touchdown. Would have double dipped if I took him and Jalen. But if you would have done moves like that, you could win. Our winner in our game, $450, guy. We, we did a game of 200 people. And we will do another game this week because, as you can tell, people loved it. 
and uh, get in the NFL action with a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes. Just download the DraftKings app now. Use the code HAM. This week, new customers get a shot at a millions, millions of dollars. Enter code HAM. Get a free shot at millions in total prizes with your first deposit. That's code HAM, only at DraftKings, the official partner of the National Football League. Minimum $5 uh, deposit required. Eligibility restrictions reply and see DraftKings.com for details. Shout out to a DB Heist, the first place winner. Top 10 in our game play, uh, paid this week. 10th place paid $72. We'll another, get another game fired up this week. DB Heist won despite having Raheem Mostert. Uh, I don't know where your team is, but it's not behind mine. Out of the 200 participants, I'm 192nd. I decided that no one was going to take Matt Ryan. I was right. I was wrong to take him. Uh, almost, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. My nine people on a roster, including the defense. I had the Texans defense. It was uh, it was almost the best performing thing I had. Of the nine roster slots, seven of them have the little snowflake emoji, which means you're ice cold next to their performance. So not very <laughs> how good. Many po- how many points did Matty Ice have today? Uh, 7.36, which is .36 more than the Texans defense. That's pretty terrible. But uh, how about Elijah Moore, John? .70 for the uh, Jets. .70 production. It was uh, That's a low performance. Not good. I'm going to go ahead and guess that how many people? No, actually, no. Only two of the people that finished behind me forgot to make their lineups. So, <laughs> I could Not have a been great a, start. No, I could have been a 194th. I was, yeah, bad. I'll tell you bad this next me, next week. I, I'm not over. I'm not overthinking it. I'll promise you that. I'm not going to overthink. I had Russ DK and uh, no, I had Russ Lockett and Christian McCaffrey in my original lineup, and then I made some changes. Good move there. Seems like a lineup you'd want to make changes on, right? Like, I don't know, Russ, DK, Lockett, McCaffrey. I don't think those guys got it this week. You're like the uh, bulky of fantasy football, daily fantasy. <laughs> I sell at the wrong time, tell you that. Balky's winning percentage shot up for about three years. I feel like it's plummeted and continues to plummet. <laughs> His last two years and then the start of this year could be long. The key came back. He's just got to get the sample size big, 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 and hopefully... Yeah, but no, it could just swing so far the other way. Like, he's got Harbaugh those four years, but then he's got a lot of other years that are going to drown him down. You get some 12 and four years, they can go down quick. If you, Especially now with the 17th game, like 3 and 14 adds up fast, guy. Uh, John, on YouTube, Dan says Brandon Ayuk had a 0.00. Yeah, we noticed. What the hell? Now, after the game, Kyle Shanahan said, look, he had the hammy. He had not been practicing full. We got to be a little careful with him. Plus, Trent Sherfield had been right on his heels. My question, though, if he had the hammy, why'd you? If you were concerned about, you know, workload, then maybe you play him at receiver a little bit. Or you're really concerned about the hammy, you don't play him at all. But that's not what happened. He did end up on a punt return, and um, that was, I think, the extent of his action. I. Do not remember. I don't. I have not seen an official count whether he took a snap. I do not remember seeing him take a snap on offense. He certainly did not get, you know, targeted or anything. Yeah, I mean, if there's a story that comes out, maybe we'll learn more. If there was a disciplinary action, clearly, I think it's fair to say he's in Kyle's doghouse. I'm all for. I understand. Like, I'm much more liberal when it comes to hard action with good players. <laughs> I do understand coaches are an authority figure, especially with young players. And if you feel that something is before it, you know, is a, becomes a problem, you almost want to nip it in the bud. 
and that's something coaches do a lot with younger players. Sometimes they draw a hard line. It, this is not, to me, something typically that happens with an established guy. And part of it, you don't have to do that, right? Like, Andy would never have to do something with Kelsey, or Kyle would never have to do something with Kittle, or, you know, McVay never has to do something with, with Aaron Donald. Even though those human beings could have a fuck-up, right? In life, let alone football-wise. I do think you have to be careful with this stuff, though, because he is... For a younger coach, and I think Kyle and just his crew, most of our lives, like that, the younger guys were just like their only opportunity to be a head coach was usually in college. Like most, I feel like most NFL coaches, like in the 90s, even early in the 2000s, looked old. Now there's just a ton of like LaFleur. I mean, you and I would die for like LaFleur's, you know, waist size right now. Like they're all kind of look young. They all look like college, mid major college coaches. Kyle, for a young, you know, he's 40, 41 years old, is kind of an old school hard ass. Like, that's kind of shit Belichick would do. Again, I, I've been around, like, Andy and Pat Hill were a little more open-minded with that shit. Like, they just they just had a soft spot for their elite talent, and they just dealt with it later. And Kyle's not, like, to me, he like, if he's not happy with Brandon Ayuk this next week, like, he won't play again. Like, that's just the way he rolls. He's kind of old school with the discipline stuff. And I'm, like, I'm where I come from and really just the way I I lean, I'd be like, yeah, just let him play. Yeah, I wonder if he were playing the Rams week one, if he would have let him play. Now, part of the context for this is the tweet from Matt Mayoko this morning. When somebody asked him, where's Brandon Ayuk? Mayoko tweeted, after a hot start in training camp, Ayuk, Ayuk tailed off dramatically. He's still learning how to be a pro. Kyle Shanahan clearly favors some other receivers right now. Message sent, right? Now, Matt did not just make that up while he was sitting there watching the game, and he's like, oh, I wonder what the deal is. Maybe Ayuk's not playing because he's learning how to be a pro. He understands the context of what he's saying. So there's yeah. something there beyond, you know, the, the hamstring. But again, I, I would say even without that context, we could understand if you're concerned about the hamstring, why does he play on punt return? If you're concerned about the hamstring from a workload standpoint, why doesn't he take a few snaps on offense? Make him a decoy. Once I, once I saw Matt's tweet, I mean, you and I are in this business long enough to know, like, okay, <laughs> Kyle's really right. mad at him. Yeah. That, that, to me, it's like, no hamstring. Like, there's no, no injury issue. Like, Kyle's fucking pissed off at him. Kyle was sending a message. Kyle did what... Again, back to what I like. I, I just don't think young coaches really operate like this often, right? Because they're always scared to just piss off a player, talented guys. Like Kyle is, that's what I'm saying. He is old school for a guy who's like 40 years old. Because typically you think, oh, players, coaches, they deal with it separately. Like that's, which I respect. But I, my ultimate point is like, you need this guy. He's one of your most talented guys. You're going to play way more talented teams and like, when you have him going with this version of Debo and George, who just is on a mission every time he catches the ball, it's like, George, we got to be careful. We don't need to kill seven defensive backs. But it's just it's the way he plays. Can you imagine how much talent they have when they have Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle? Like, that's just... That's yes, I can imagine. I think they... We've talked about it a lot. I think that's what they need this year. Now, the good news yeah. for them is Sherfield clearly is, is trustworthy. Right? But part of this is on Ayuk. Like you're in the perfect, yeah. you're in a great spot to produce right here. You got Debo, you got Kittle, you got this run game, you got Shanahan. Don't screw it up. Now, 
Now, let me, I'll even play devil's advocate to what I was saying about Kyle being a hard ass. You could argue that really he's like a modern day Belichick in the sense of Bill was, there was no fucking around there. So it was a double whammy, right? It's like, if you didn't buy in, he'll bench you, won't play you, do whatever. But then even during the week, there's no fun or it's all on his terms. Kyle is like that with the game. Like if he thinks you're fucking around or not ready, he just won't play. He doesn't care. But during the week, and just with his players in general, he is hands-off if they just... Like, he lets them be them, right? He's not trying to, like, micromanage individuals. He's not old school in that way. He's actually very player-friendly. Like, I think if you just look at their star guys, like Fred, George, Trent Williams, whoever. Like, he doesn't... He just... They can do whatever the hell they want. Just because he knows, football-wise, they're a 10 out of 10. Like, to me, the question is... Is Ayuk half-assing it now in practice? Is he not studying hard enough? Does he just feel like, and part of it might just be Trent Shurfield. You read Larry Fitzgerald's quotes last week. is like Johnny Tryhard here. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, so the bar is just like, you got these guys, you got Trey Lance probably studying all these hours. Jimmy's got to match him. There's probably just a lot of studying going on there. And if he thinks you're falling behind, it's like, hey, buddy, you're not going to play. Well, And also, I, I don't think anything we've ever heard from a player lines up with the Belichick level of, uh, of, uh, you know, being, I don't want to use the word difficult, but Bill's the best NFL coach, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Difficult is not the word, but clearly things are a little looser around Kyle than they are Bill. You, you basically said that. That, that. That's my, that's my point. Yeah. There's, there's not, I don't get a sense that players at all feel like I, 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 the opposite that he's unfair. In fact, players, I think often talk about that. He is fair, that he treats everybody the same. Now, you're saying, well, I mean, you know, your best player, maybe he shouldn't be treated the same. Or one of your best players, maybe he shouldn't be treated the same. But that is, it feels like it's one of the main tenets of Kyle Shanahan's operation is that there are standards for everybody and we're all going to hold each other to them. Now, that's also a Bill thing, right? It's why Tom feels like he finally got out of the house at 18 years old now that he's in Tampa. But I think the question is like, would he have done it if it were a, a more difficult opponent? Would he have done it if he didn't have Trent Sherfield there that he trusted, clearly? I don't know, but I know this. They're going to need the guy. They're going to need the guy. So yeah, I, just, I hope he plays this week and that this whatever they just did fixed it. You could argue the reality is he did it. So, like, they just need Ayuk to respond so they can use him, right? It's just that simple. Like, it's over. He got benched. He didn't fucking play. And they're going to need him moving forward badly. Partly because he can excel. Like, I watched... I mean, in two weeks, they play the Packers. Every time I looked up, Jameis is throwing bombs. So it's like they, they have one really good corner. The Eagles' corners are a major question mark. Like, Brandon, like you can make plays against these teams. And they're going to need you to make plays. So it's like now you could say the ball's in his court. For whatever he wants out of you, it's clear. He wants something. So you just need to match that. Like, it, sometimes it is we're all human beings. So anytime, you know, in, in jobs I've had when you get called out, it can be really rattling, whether that's in front of the group you're working with or just you individually. But like then it is kind of on you to look in the mirror, just well, they've they've asked me to do something that they thought I wasn't doing. Can I can I do that? And every time, at least I know for me personally, in, in football situations, and this is all like, you know, scouting, you know, coaching type stuff, if you answer, they're happy with you. Like coaches don't the thing about coaches, sneaky, very short memory of like listen we're mad at you we need you to figure this out we want to move on because they they don't naturally hold on they're just that's not the way they think right they're just already like on to the eagle so it's like 
Well, can you, whatever game plan we give, can you just go all out, whatever well, we're asking? Unlike your parents when you're nine, coaches need the players. The, your parents, you are, when you're nine years old and you get in trouble, your dad's mad at you for a week. Like, you're not bringing anything to the table. Nothing. You're not wash, You're not earning any money. You're not driving nope. your sister to soccer. You're not bringing it. Like, you are, from the moment you're there and for a long time, you're just a, you, you, you're a minus. You're a liability. You're a liability, yeah. <laughs> you better, you know, you, you hopefully you're, they like being around you. Uh, Good point. But, but coaches can be need, an asset. like, yeah, in the <laughs> end, like, they, he needs them, you know? Yeah. He needs them. Yeah. So, but he's not the only guy they need. Jason Verrett got hurt. Uh, and that's a problem because this was an area of, uh, he wasn't the only guy that got hurt either. Drake uh, Greenlaw has a groin situation. He had a pick six in the game. We know he matters. But we've already got an injury situation with them. And I, I, I don't know if they're the unluckiest team when it comes to artificial turf. Um, we don't know what the situation yet is with Verrett. But it, this was, I mean, there were several spots they couldn't afford injuries. Kinlaw wasn't there. Kinlaw wasn't there. Didn't make the trip. Not good. So remember the you first day, com- like, oh, you know they're not com- you know they're not coming home, right? They're not going to swoop swoop <laughs> by on the way to West Virginia. <laughs> so unless he's meeting them out wherever they're staying, like that's that's a problem. <laughs> Like to me, are they swinging of, back and picking him up for the Packers, or is he meeting him out there? Because if he does, well, if he's out two weeks minimum. Back. I I I actually think the Kinlaw is a bigger injury than Verrett. Not that Verrett is not a major injury because he is talented, but I I don't know how you ever depended on a guy that was injured all the time. Like they did draft Kinlaw in the top fifteen, and he is a massive human being that I don't know would really help their run defense, like. I felt like just watching day, like he gives 20 plays are the, all these runs. He's huge. He's one of the bigger players in the league. So it's just like their, your corners, even Jason Verrett is going to give up plays. Like your corners are just kind of your corners. They are a pass rush defense and, or just, just a front four defense. Like everything is predicated the last three years on those four guys kicking ass. And it's much easier to control the line of scrimmage when 99 is, I don't even, MIA. I, I just wrote down MIA. I don't even know what the fuck he is. On the Dolphins? Is that what you meant? Yeah, I just, yeah, missing in action. What was it? The first With something day of that's like a knee injury, it's, and then it was like, well, this summer he was on a plane, and then it was a bulky knee, and then he was cool, then he practiced, now it's a knee again. Like, I, I got this whole thing red flag. Well, Verrett, mm. Verrett is an all-time sad what could have been because he's been hurt 75 times and it sucks. He's a high character guy, free talent, but his career, like when you say his name out loud to any football fan, they would just like, Oh, that guy got injured. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, it's what, when, when you see the shot of Raheem Mostert on the sideline, cause I didn't mention him and they're like, Mostert has a knee injury. Like, well, yeah. Okay. But the, the Buckner absence, well, but you got Ayuk and Kinlaw out of it. Well, okay. Well, for Buckner in week one, you got one punt return for, I don't know, seven yards, one guy at home. So, and you just said it. Like, it'd be one thing if you said broken toe, eight weeks, whatever. I don't know. But this is like, or old guy, knee, he's just going to have to manage this the rest of his career. Yeah. Tom Bowley, you just got to give him weeks off, right? Or whatever. You'd be like, oh, you know, he's, he's earned it. But this, you're like... Well, was he ever going to play for them with any consistency, let alone be an impact player? 
Say what you want about Solomon Thomas till he got hurt. He was available. Is this guy going to be available? Are they even – because here's the other part of it, right? You and I went to practices, and without just, uh, just observing, there were a couple practices. You and I on the sideline were watching going, there's just – he's like, I don't mind the guy starting fights, but it just felt a little – I don't know, at times maybe a little immature. I don't know what it was, but – He is 23 years old. I mean, he's not old. It's look, and he's a big guy and body parts, knees. It's, but it's just, I, I don't feel like, I feel like they don't have clarity on what the situation is. And that's the scary part. If they knew here was the injury, here's the recovery time, fine. But it started from the, from the beginning, from day one. He was on a plane, it was swollen. And we did, we talked about it. We're like, uh oh. They're like, no, 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 no biggie. No, it's not a big deal. Totally normal. It's like, okay, if you say so. Well, it was something. It turned out, we were right, and the people that thought it was something were right. It was something. Well, put it this way. Everything's something. One to ten. Ten, you're very confident it's going to ha- or Yeah, ten, very confident. One, not confident at all. Where would you put Javon Kinlaw in uni, lining up in snaps against the birds? One. Yeah, two. Well, Why would I be higher than one? He just didn't play. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say, like, how about this on one to ten scale? He plays twelve games this year. Oh, I mean, I'd put that really low that he gets over twelve. I mean, I would say right now, if you got like six or seven out of him, it'd feel like gravy. Like, are we I just like through the first like quarter gravy. of the season? Like, uh, to me, it already feels like you're through a four games or whatever. It's like we haven't seen him play a snap. Well, like, I, dude, when's the guy getting uniform? I know. That's well, I think what question. you might get is like two weeks not play one. Here he is. He's back. And then it's, oh, no, it didn't. He was back, but now something's up again, right? It's not quite responding the way they want or he wants or whatever. Yeah, It's just, a problem. And, and I, I think, listen, he is tied at the hip with the trade. And I got a text today. If you called the Colts and said, Armstead, Kinlaw, straight up Buckner, you get a you get a buzzer. I guess there's no such thing as buzzers anymore. We all have cell phones. So you just hang up and it just goes dead. You just don't hear anything. You know, there's no like uh, the rotary phones where you hear the noises. No one hears noise. Unless, unless John, unless you're on the, <laughs> yeah, unless you're on the phone with your mom and it's like, all right, talk to you later. And then it's just like, why is it always my responsibility to hang up the phone? <laughs> my mom just says bye and just does whatever she was doing. Like, all right, I'll hang it up. I got this one. But does your mom? Do you call on a home line? They no, sell the so my parents got rid of the landline. No, see, they're progressive. Mine, my mom's still holding on to the landline. Well, it's Even not because they she it's, only it's, responds now on her phone. It's only because all they got was me, me, and telemarketers. Those are the only people that called the landline. Anyway, <laughs> but back to your point on Javon Kinlaw. It, they just invested. If you know, a lot you were saying if you called the Colts, yeah, yeah, with those two guys. I mean, I don't even know what the trade. They, there's no chance. Which I think we might have come to that agreement. Last year, when the trade was made, you're like, listen, it might take a while for this, but it feels you're way behind the eight ball. You're not even getting anything out of the pick. That's where it becomes a kick into the, the just the, the cojones. Like part of when you see Amari Cooper catch all these balls, you're like, well, who'd we get for it? It's like, oh, Jonathan Abram. You got Jonathan Abram. So like, it's just, you got one player for that guy. That's what it is, one-on-one. Ultimately with Buckner, there was more to it. There was money, but... Well, I saw you make the trade, and then ultimately you replaced him with the same position. It'd be one thing if like Kinlaw was a safety or like a you know a right guard or something. 
but he is a defensive tackle. Like you, you, you obviously his style was a little different in DeForest, but you, you guys admitted like we got rid of this player. He was the best player on the board, same position. And, and DeForest, so, even if best, you didn't, his best characteristic for a while was durability, and just he was always around. And even before he was like some eight sack guy. Even if Buckner was not a part of this at all, it was a first round pick for a team that has already been to the Super Bowl. Is getting players, you know, you have players that are getting paid, so you're getting more expensive. Even if Buckner was not a part of this, if Buckner just retired, Buckner retired, and you just had this first round pick, you got to hit on these picks. Yeah. You got to hit on these picks. So now, so now pick, you got that. Pick you got, 14, guy, 14. Who had September 12th as the day that uh, Kyle Shanahan admitted that, yes, he's been in contact with Richard Sherman and that Sherman's a possibility? <laughs> One week. I mean, Mosley didn't play, Ferret's hurt. You, you know, think we got Norm, Norman and Sherman out of the DB spots by uh, about week four? Uh, week four? I mean, Norman will be there week two. Lenore, actually, I saw the PFF number, like, did well today. Oh, they nailed the Lenore pick, and they nailed the Elijah Mitchell pick after one week. But Ambry Thomas returned a punt, and Trey Sermon didn't play. So I guess you could call it a wash. It's better for your cheaper oh, players to be performing, John. That way they're cheaper. Their second-round pick, Aaron Banks, I, I, he didn't play either. He now started. But that one we so, knew yeah, already. Yeah, that one we knew. So, I, I mean, you know, Greenlaw, we'll see. Um, but it's, it just, this is the nature of the sport. Guys get hurt. It's going to happen to every team, but part of football, you have to, to it when you have seen what what has gone on with them. I, I, I just think people in general with injuries freak, like it's just part of football, right? It sucks. No one wants anyone to get hurt. Like, you see Fitzpatrick laying there on the ground, and like you're like, oh my god, that looks painful. Like you just see guys around the league get hurt, and it will continue to happen all season long because it's nature of the sport. But like you're right, this team is more under a microscope because it feels like they lead the league in IR for like the last decade. Yeah, and, and the and the draft is a little the draft's a little out of whack right now. Now again, if you draft two running backs and one of them hits, and you draft two corners and one of them hits. That'll put you in the Hall of Fame if you if you're one out of every two guys you draft becomes a starter for you, right? Like Elijah Mitchell, as long as Elijah Mitchell looks like that, if Trey Sermon doesn't play for six weeks, you go. Yeah, but Elijah Mitchell looks like that. If Diamador Lenore is a starter, then the fact that you drafted Ambry Thomas ahead of him and Diamador Lenore plays more, ideally, it turns out you probably need both of them, right? But you can't I, always do the thing where it's like, oh yeah, the fifth rounders are the ones that get nailed. True, but if you get impact players. It'll catch up on you. But ultimately, like, Richard Sherman was a fifth-round pick, and he became a Hall of Famer. But they also got Bruce Irvin, like, was their first-round pick, who was just a five-year starter until they didn't resign him, and he went somewhere else. But he was an impact. He was a starter on a Super Bowl team. So can you get starters out of these players? Can they play? Because to me, there's a big difference. Like, I think Solomon Thomas is a good example. Complete whiff. If you could do it over again, 100% would not have picked him. But he was not like a healthy scratch by year two. Like he was a four-year start, you know, four-year player, three multiple-year starter, and then as they he got plays better, a freshman all the way to backup. senior year, yeah, <laughs> yes, which is fine. So it's like, can you just get that out of some of those guys? Which right now, it's only week one, and now we got really old school. This would be week one coming up because you got sixteen more weeks, right, of games. 
So can you, Wait, or I guess, you know, 17 more, you got, because there's 17 weeks left in 16 games. Oh, yeah. So you're saying there's 16 weeks left. You know, weeks back in the day. Still? So this was like, you know, like as, as I saw zero. a bunch of Packers fans tweeting, like they're just treating this like the fourth preseason game. What's the biggie, you know? Uh, ultimately, you just need to get several of your high-end guys. And, and listen, it's not just this draft. Kinlaw and Ayuk factor in. Those guys were first-round picks last year. Like, I, I'm sorry. You just need impact with your high-end guys. Especially big picture, you can't just fill in everything with free agency. They're going to need some players that they've drafted over the last couple of years to fill in the roster on this team. I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but in 22 and 23, it's a nature of team building. You know, you're, you're going to be as good as some of these guys are going to become as just like, can they be high end role players or are they just whiffs? Right. Well, I mean, McGlinchey. Being a 10-year starter for them at right tackle is going to be a big part of that fabric, right? If you backed up McGlinchey and then hit Bosa and Samuel the next year and you're Hunter for the next 10, 12 years, whatever, good. If he's not and Bosa's really the only first-rounder you hit in like a three-year span when you had – no. I mean, because they have Kinlaw, Ayuk, boom, boom, Bosa, McGlinchey, that's uh, four. Thomas Foster, don't, let's not forget about Ruben in 15, that's five. So that's five first-rounders in the course of a four-year, uh, one, two, three, four stretch. Does that add up? No. Two, four, six. Sorry, I can't do math. Six first-rounders in a four-year span, right? Well, if Kinlaw and Ayuk, if Ayuk's really good and Kinlaw's solid, that's four of your six are impacting your football team. If Kinlaw's yeah. always hurt and Ayuk's not playing in week two much either, now your two of your six are impacting. There's a big difference. Because let's face it, their first rounder this year is not having that much of an impact at this rate, right? So if you factor in Trey as well, right, right, because he yep. could have just been some other player. He could have been, I don't know, Devonte Smith or you know whoever. You just name the player, right? Kyle Pitts. You just someone that helped them. Like that's they're getting a guy that potentially, you know, worst case from an impact standpoint is playing two or three plays a game. Which also could turn into best case. That means they're probably winning if that's what they keep doing. But it just you do limit your the better teams you play. You just need more higher end players. Like I got the Rams in the background. Like every once in a while, you just flash you're like, oh, there's Jalen Ramsey, there's fucking Aaron Donald, right? They're just those are the guys that make most of the plays. You're good players. You know, that's why Ohio State, Oregon, like the, there was like five guys that you truly remember from the game. That's that's what happens in high end games. Your the cream rises to the top and the Niners are going to be dependent on they're depending on these guys being high end players. Well, and who they knows? drafted high, especially at the running back spot where they use multiple guys a year. Like I don't they probably will need both Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. Right. One Most problem for hurt. them, though. Is Mozart is for them a high-end player? Like he is clearly really good, right? You saw that first drive, you're like, God damn, this guy can run. You know yeah. those those well, outside I, pitches, he can hit that. You, I just, but you remember can't. when they made their Super Bowl run? He was a blue chip guy for him. Like how he played, his play, blue chip. So can they get combined out of? Let's just say Mozart. He's going to be in and out of the lineup all year. Uh, you just can. Well, can, can they combine the next three guys to combine into one Mozart? I don't know. Mitchell was good today, but he's playing the Lions. Yeah. He's going to need some help. Well, that's why I say I, he's going to need Trey Sermon to be solid for him. And I think it's clear you're going to need Ambry Thomas at some point. You know what it shows you? And we talked for months about the draft. A guy from 
Ohio State that transferred to Oklahoma, or vice versa, started at Oklahoma, went to Ohio State, you would go, who's more ready to come in and help the Niners that have playoff expectations? The guy that transferred from Oklahoma that went to Ohio State and was with Justin Fields up until the national championship? Or this dude from this school in Louisiana, not LSU, but one of those other ones, runs really hard, take him like late round, and then it's like, no problem, he beats him out. And it's like, not even a question clearly in Kyle's mind. Like, that guy's fucking playing. One injury, Kyle just rides that guy. It, it, but it goes back to the draft. I, we do it every year. I'm as guilty. We're all guilty. It is impossible. No one knows. Because does Elijah Mitchell, now maybe he would have if he would have got there by the time he was like 22 years old. But in no world we'd be like, I bet Elijah Mitchell would be better than Trey Sherman right now in Ohio State. Like, no one would say that. <laughs> right. But, but then six months later, you get around like better players and this guy's already better. And it well, doesn't seem weird. Like, I watch him run and go, God damn, I'd fucking run him too. In college, and maybe this will change, the best player doesn't always play. If it's close, sometimes you're like, oh, well, we got the four-star guy that transferred. What are you going to play? The other guy will get, he'll get next year. Now the portal's around, and you, you can't hold a guy till next year because that guy just might be gone, right? If Elijah Mitchell's your backup running back, and he got three carries against uh, Michigan and ran for 60 yards and a touchdown because he had an explosive... You can't keep him on the bench behind Trey Sermon because he just might transfer to Penn State. Yeah, I don't need you. Whatever, I'm out of here. You can't do that where you like hold me down. In the NFL, you just you, you don't play that game about oh well, this was the local five star guy, and you know his high school coach also has this other guy, so I got to keep him happy. You don't play that game. You don't play the game. This guy looked. We watched his college tape, and we're like, yep, that looks like Al Shanahan running back. And then he looked. The same or maybe better in the NFL today? It looked exactly the same, but what he was doing at Louisiana Lafayette or Tech or wherever the hell he played against like that level of competition. Now, this was the Lions, but I was thinking today watching Okuda. Do you remember in that draft, everyone was like, Okuda, this can't miss. Yep. Okuda, he just, the corner, this is what it looks. Revis, this is the type. Like this guy, you plug and play. You got yourself a lockdown corner decade. Healthy, 14 years, multiple second contracts. <laughs> and it's like he's one of the bigger busts right now yeah. in the league. I was like, he's yeah. on a terrible team. He looks terrible. Now Matt Stafford's on another team, and they didn't draft Justin Herbert because they drafted Jeff Okuda. I know. It's just. And now they're going to spend the next decade looking for a quarterback. But if you would have said, if like Jeff Okuda on draft night would have gone maybe where he would, if you could redraft right now, let's say Jeff Okuda is not even close to a first round pick and Jeff Okuda goes like pick 69 or something. That that would have been the number one story in the draft, right? Like by the third night, like Jeff Okuda, this guy to the third round. Did people find out he killed someone? But then you watch him like two years later, you're like, God, this guy's a major liability out there. <laughs> the team hates him. It's just, it, it shit changes so fast. Which is fun. I mean, we love talking about the draft as much as anyone. This draft was awesome. But there's but no it is just that. Yeah, there's no it's just draft talk. Yeah, but there's and there's also no perfect prospect, right? Like the way we talk about a player, uh, and you know this because you've been in the draft rooms, like almost every player, there is something else. Doesn't I'm not saying a skeleton in the closet, but there's just well, yeah, but you know, if he's gonna fail if you if we just did a thing on every prospect called if he's gonna fail, why would he fail? We'd miss on that too. We'd we'd be like, Yeah, he failed, but it wasn't for the reason we thought he was gonna fail. But there would be stuff, right? Yeah. There would be stuff. 
And in fairness to Okuda, like it is hard to excel for the Lions. Right. 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 You know, it's it's easier. Is Elijah Mitchell, if he goes to a different team, maybe he doesn't make the team. Like scheme is very uniquely tied to the sport. Like if I'm a great basketball, if I'm a great point guard, I'm going to the majority of programs and I'm going to have an impact. If I'm a certain type of running back, I'm going to have more success in certain schemes than others. Like you said, when we watched Elijah, it was like, yeah, he's going to, this is the ideal guy. Like kind of ran like Raheem Mozart, I thought. We're like, where have they been hiding this guy? He's perfect. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure if, I would imagine Kyle's reaction when he saw that tape was, you know, or like if you're one of his scouts, if you're Adam Peters and you're like, think of it like a, you're like a personal shopper and you find a, a sweater, like, oh, this would be, this would be perfect for John. This color would look great with his skin tone. You see that running back, you're like, oh, got a piece. Go ahead and hit the shopping cart. Kyle will love this one. Well, I had this thought watching Ohio State, Oregon yesterday. All Oregon's DBs, Lenore's the Oregon guy, right? Yeah. They all look cool in the uni because any guy that's like six feet, 195 pounds, they just look cool in it. You're all skinny. You just look like you're born to wear a uniform. Every guy in their defensive backfield thinks 100% they're a pro. And they should. Same thing with Ohio State. Like all the DBs. Yet, there's probably two pro DBs out of the group, maybe more, you know, get ultimate shots, but the guys, they're going to get drafted really high. Yet, there are guys on other random shitty teams. Like, there might be a dude on, like, Vanderbilt right now. UNLV a has a corner. Better, yeah. I mean, maybe. A, a better prospect. Yeah, maybe not them. But, like, Nevada, let's say, or, you know, just a random UCF, where if you told that number seven or eight on Oregon or five on Ohio State, they'd be like, are you fucking high? I played Ohio State. I start for the Buckeyes. I'm a three-year starter, dog. And in their mind, they're 100% right. Like, I don't blame them for thinking that. But that guy is 100% a better pro prospect, and he's going to get drafted higher. And that's the thing with the NFL. Like, you just saw, you just see it when it happens. The one thing you notice immediately with Sewell, he's really powerful and because he, he's so strong. So it's like, you know what? He actually is very comfortable on the left side when Nick just tries to run him over. And he got him once on a bull rush. That I think ended up leading to a Nick sack, but it was more just a hustle sack. It was like Sewell's going to be able to handle just a guy running at him. Like he's he's built for that. Now there's some other some speed stuff he'll figure out, but it's like that is if you just have something to work with, like that's what you want to work with. Like it's just you can tell right away physically, right? Like remember Eric Flowers? There was like two snaps. You're like, oh my god. Or even the Jonathan Martin thing. It was just like no, he cannot do this. And you just knew right away. But anyone, Jonathan Martin coming out, like 6'6", got great feet. He's coming from Stanford. At the time, they're putting all these pros. We, we always, guy, and we did this when I worked in the NFL. And since now that I, we do this for a living, we talk about it. it it's, it's tried and true. Three, four months later, we're having all these conversations. Every single year. What's like, what? Oh, we should have known, guy. We should have known. But that's what makes the draft, <laughs> that's part of what makes the draft fun, right? If every pick won through whatever it is, 560. Uh, you got an automatic if, ROI on the pick or whatever. Or 260 is the number. If it was just always like, yep, the first guy is always the best player, the second guy is always the second best player, then it wouldn't really matter. Who, you would just It wouldn't. But it's the risk. It's the, did we just make the greatest decision we've ever made or a colossal mistake? I don't know. We'll find out in a year or two or three to a Herbert. I will find <laughs> out. You know, that, that for every, every guy that's a warning... We forget when the draft rolls. We're like, no, 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 this guy's perfect. And when it works, you go, we all knew Peyton was, of course, Peyton was the perfect prospect. We knew. 
We knew. Well, how many other guys did we know of know, know on that didn't hit? Did we know on Peyton? Like, did we really know? I mean, everyone talks Peyton and Luck. We knew. It's like, okay. I thought he threw like 25 picks and they won three, 13 games. I bet some of those people watching that year thought, like, oh, is this going to work? Uh, Ramon. Like just a, a, a GM yeah. watching him play. Well, yeah, maybe it'll be solid, but I don't know. Uh, Ramon said, what was the point of trading up for Sermon in the third round if they can get these late free agent, uh, these late round free agent type guys to be successful in the scheme? We don't think like that. Well, it's the, the funny time. thing. It's you're like, no, no, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get the best of the group right here because he's, I'm gonna draft him before I draft the other guy. Well, if they would have taken Elijah Mitchell in the third round, <clears throat> people around the league would be like, Are you guys nuts. Yet, two years later, it would have been, you know, potentially you'd be like, oh shit, if we could do that over, we would have taken Richard Sherman seventh overall. It's like, yeah, you took him in the fifth round. So it's easy to say two years later when he's an All Pro, you just never know that. But I. You know kind of quickly that you either got something. Sometimes you don't always know that you don't got something, right? There can be late bloomers. I do, I do think you know when you got a problem. And the Niners have a, a knee problem with Kinlaw. I, 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 I'm confident that his size alone, that worst case, he's just a functional player. I know that. I saw it last year. Like, he's a function, when he's on the field, you're fine. Like, he, he plays he helps every you. team he's, in the league. He's above replacement level. Yeah. Now, how high is the ceiling? That, to me, factors in, like, you got to play. Like, part of Buckner getting a ceiling, he just got better and better because he played every week. So you just, you keep improving. It's impossible to improve <clears throat> when you never play. I mean, it feels like this guy's hit rate right now in games is, I don't even know, it's low. And even if you did improve when you never play, the, the improve is the second part. The never play is the important part. Exactly. Uh, Anthony said, Sherman thoughts. We did mention a little earlier uh, that, that Shanahan mentioned Richard Sherman, although I'll add to it. I said several months ago I brought up that I thought there was a chance they were going to miss him. I think some people thought I was kind of crazy because he, you know, he wasn't like a, he's no longer a shutdown corner and running with guys is not his strength. Obviously never was. And certainly it's not anymore, but yeah, I, I, I think, we're not that far away from him actually being able to help them. Now, we don't know his physical state, and right, he's got he he's got off the field the all the stuff he's got to deal with and get himself right. But um, I, I don't. I, they're not that far away from him actually helping them. Helping would be strong. Playing might be the well. Playing right is helping at, at this point. We just said it with Kimaw. Mean, I might just see what what you got in the two rookies before I do that. But they, but yeah, I mean, well, we're seeing what they got in Diamond or Lenore. Like we're getting that, and we're gonna get more of Ambry Thomas too. But we'll see. Yeah, I'm just playing those guys. Great, you could, you could, they're gonna have an opportunity. You're gonna find out here real quick. Yeah, I guess my point. I'm is not. I, my I point is, I'm not confident. We're a couple spots away from Richard. I'm, yeah, and I'm saying I'm not confident it doesn't get there. I think it might get to that. I wouldn't, wouldn't totally I wouldn't say it's over fifty percent right now, but <clears throat> I just it's clearly on the table. I could see when they come back, maybe a Richard Sherman workout just to gauge his where he's at. In like obviously not this week because wherever they are, but next like Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, just to figure out whether they should keep him on speed dial. Yeah. Cause who knows? I mean, what he's been doing, right? From a football That's standpoint. what Kyle, that's why Kyle called probably. How you doing, Doug? John, let's uh, let's tell the people about Rex MD, R E X M D dot com slash ham. Men's health doesn't get much attention. 
It's partly our fault, fellas. We don't like to go to the doctor, preach, hand up, and we don't like talking about sensitive issues. A lot of men's health issues have a real simple solution. And RexMD.com slash ham is here for that. Yep, guy. Uh, RexMD.com has FDA-approved generic Viagra starting at just $2 per tablet, delivered discreetly to your door. Starter packs currently available for new customers. RexMD.com has helped over 100,000 men get generic Viagra from the comfort of their home. If you're looking for generic Viagra, RexMD has made the process fast, easy, mostly affordable. So don't wait another minute. RexMD is now offering starter packs of generic Viagra for new customers. Visit RexMD.com slash ham. That's RexMD.com slash ham. It's never been easier to take control of your health. Half of all men experience ED after the age of 40. Those sample pack prescriptions are available at RexMD.com slash ham. RexMD.com slash ham. Podcast also brought to you by Upstart.com slash ham. That's Upstart.com slash ham. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments on debt and credit card bills today. Guy, debt is something we all think about. We've all dealt with, and it can be overwhelming. We can relate. You're talking about two guys started a business from nothing. Ground floor. It can be overwhelming. You can look at your credit card expenses and go, what am I ever going to do? That's where places like Upstart, they know that you're more than just a credit score. Uh, it's, it can be just, sometimes you need help. And unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income and current employment to find smarter rate for your loan. Within five minutes, the online rate check you can see upfront for loans between five to fifty thousand dollars, so up to fifty thousand dollars on whatever your personal loan rate would be uh, to pay off your credit cards. And find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payment right now today. Go to upstart.com/ham. That's upstart.com/ham. Use the URL to let them know that we sent you. Uh, with a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between one thousand to fifty thousand dollars. That's a five-minute online rate check between $1,000 and $50,000. Just check it out right now at upstart.com slash ham. Do it. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app and you can get it on baseball too i've got some season long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs uh, not off not feeling great about shohei less than 38 and a half right now but i put that one in the app just because i wanted something to root against with the dodgers prize picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured so hoops somebody leaves in the first half no problem injury insurance and on prize picks you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks i love it it's download the app today use code ham 50 for the first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions Last night, I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden, it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience 
because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping as always. And you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff curated right now. Go to butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. All right, John, as we're recording this, and maybe as things happen, things happen, but uh, the Rams look good pretty early. I love the uniform adjustments they made. The uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, running the Rams offense. Guess what? Looks sick. Uh, Four touchdowns for Russ today. Dwayne Eskridge even got it on the act. He got a couple of carries. I don't. uh, They did actually throw him the ball once, but it was more DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett combined for 160 yards receiving. Lockett had. I mean, there were like four incredible catches in the NFL today, and Lockett had one of them. Yeah, it was sweet. And uh, they beat the Colts. Now, I was wrong on a couple of picks. I liked the Jets this week. I liked uh, – who else did I like that was incorrect? Oh, the Patriots. But I also liked the Seahawks. And uh, they just – they looked – they looked – sometimes we thought – sometimes these games, they can look weird in. They had it – they had their act together this week, week one. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I thought they – they just felt very complete, tough. Some of the clips I saw, because it was coming back and forth in the Red red Zone channel, like Jamal, they just feel very comfortable with their identity. Yeah. Like, their identity is well-established. Those two guys on the outside aren't terrifying. They're dominant. Like, there's not... They're, they're like Hill and Kelsey. You, you, you don't shut them out. They're probably... One of them at least is going to score. Maybe both of them are. Can you just contain them? Like, I bet if you look back historically on how to beat Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Bill Walsh, Montana, most of the time you're not going to beat them, like, 17-3. to three. Like, you're going to have to win some of the games, you know, 28-24, but can you get key stops? I feel like at any moment when that guy throws the deep ball, those guys are going to catch it. And, and DK can have these moments, and he did a couple times a day, where it's more than just a vertical play. It's like he kind of looks like T.O. coming across the middle where he like snags the ball. A.J. Brown had a touchdown like that. When guys like that can run ver- you know, the variety of the route tree, how do you stop D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Like with that size, right? It's just you see it with Gronkowski, Mike Evans, sometimes with George Kittle, like Kelsey a lot of times. They're physically – like Lockett's – it's clear when you watch him how he dominates, right? He gets open because he hauls ass, but he's little. And he tracks the ball like Willie Mays. But DK and AJ, they like make these incredible plays when a guy kind of can even be close. But you're like, God, just fucking throw it a little higher. Those guys, they're a scary offense, man. <laughs> There's, that's big time what they got. Their passing game is elite. I didn't get to watch that game. Like you said, we were kind of watching part of it. I do wonder, would they have scored more in that game if they had to? Colts are good on defense. Like, their personnel, I mean, they've been well, top, like, five defense. Yeah, I mean, my point years. is Lockett and Metcalf are terrifying. At the end of the day, 28 points with those two guys, you go, okay, you, you got a chance to beat them if they're going to score 28 points, even with those two. So my question is, did they, could they have scored more? Because as scary as they are, if you're telling me they're putting up 28, then you can beat them. They can be beat. Now, Indy scored 16. So, was could Indy's offense not move? From what I'd read, but I'd, Wentz, say, I'd say I'd say twenty-eight on the road's pretty good. It is pretty against good against a playoff That's true. team. Yeah, it is. 
It is. I'm scoring 28 points a game. You're in pretty good shape. uh, uh, Yeah, but when you look at Lockett and Metcalf, they look like guys that are just going to hang 38 on you, and there's not going to be anything you can do to stop it. And there's a big difference. I feel like they do sometimes at home. They do. Yeah, it's true. So maybe that's going to be a big part of the element, but getting home field if we're talking about the playoffs here. So, so you had that. Then you had the Cardinals. There were a few games today that were just, I mean, you, teams taking the, taking the other team's lunch. And Arizona-Tennessee was one of them. The Packers got their shit kicked in. I mean, as, as in flow as the Seahawks looked, the Packers looked out of, out of flow. I don't know. Was Aaron pissed on the fourth and two that they ran from their own 22 because – because he thought there was a PI or was he pissed because he hated the fact that they just went for it fourth and two on their own 22 in the third quarter, I think of that game. Um, yeah. But there was like one minute left. I mean, they were down 24 to three. They were getting curb stomped. I mean, I, he, I didn't have a problem with them going for it. Oh, right I'm there, not dude. making a judgment on the decision. I'm saying, why was Aaron pissed off? Oh, I, it looked like, cause he thought they were holding Devonte okay. a little bit, but also his, his, the tight end slipped. Uh, you know, the play was a quick dump off the guy slipped. So he had to kind of, the play got fucked from the jump, but it's hard, you know. You just wonder to, could that fester? I on the Cardinals, I do think they are more equipped early. I, I sent you just, I didn't see the play live. I just saw it tweeted. Clearly, he made the play, and then the TV broadcast showed the behind the you know the line of scrimmage view. And I had a guy DM me that said, "I'm watching a game today." And every time they show that view, it's incredible. I can see way more. And you know this. I don't know the answer to this. Why don't they just naturally show that view more? Because you really can't see more of football like on the broadcast when we're just watching as a fan. Because like an NFL coach, they get that, right? But you don't get that as a fan. You get the side view, even though you can't really see that much. Like why doesn't just NBC, Fox, or CBS just show that view more often? Like that's how we... You mean like on a replay or live? I'm talking about live. Yeah. Um, this is what we've always done. Yeah, it's hard. you can see way more. You can see way more of the play. To, uh, in some ways, you can see way more. I, you know, I guess one of the main things you're looking for is how far did a play go, first down yardage, that kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Like, did he get it's eight hard. yards? Be- it's a little harder to tell. Where, it's harder to tell the, the path of the football, too, from behind i'm with you i if i go to a game i actually kind of prefer sitting there depending on how high you sit basketball too um i'm not i don't uh i don't know that's an interesting question would i prefer to watch a game like that on tv i don't think yeah I would. It, it, it might not be as cool once you watch the whole thing but it does put it this individual play that he made and he made a couple highlight plays today i saw beside just i mean they dominated the game his play speed is elite. Like his physical characteristics are beside the height, his his ability to throw on the run and just his speed are 10 out of 10s in the NFL. So when he's fresh as he is week 1 because he doesn't play, you know, right in the preseason at all. I guess he did a little against the Chiefs. I felt like they felt obligated to cuz Mahomes was and he had told the broadcasters I remember it was Lewis. They were. It was like the second week of the preseason. Like, I don't want to play the preseason. Like, Kyler, you're not too good to play the preseason, buddy. But he's clearly pretty fresh. And his speed looks... It's eye-opening to watch. It really is. But he doesn't feel that way quite the same, at least the last couple years, no. in November and December. Early on in the season, he looks like a lock pro bowler. And he did last year, and he did again today. Right? Like, you watch him, you think pro bowl. Right? You think star. Yep. 
I think star. You think star. I think star. Yeah. And Tennessee's got that. I, I do think with all – some of the stuff that happened on Sunday week one of the NFL season is going to be wrong. Some of it's going to be wrong, right? Well, I talked to this guy from the Action Network named Stucky. Turns out he's like this 20-year gambler. He claims that week two historically is an incredible week to gamble. You know, like he's really deep into the weeds, the analytics, the numbers. and he's Because of overreactions to week one. Overreaction to week one. Like, for example, Seattle's playing Tennessee next week. So I would imagine a lot of people, the casual gambler, would be like, well, fucking Tennessee looked like shit. Seattle looked awesome. And that'll be a tie game going into like three totally. minutes left I, in the game. That's always how it happens. I tried to find some week two lines before the show today because I'm interested in what's going on with New England week two, right, after they lost to Miami. I mean, it's several teams. Now, Jacksonville, we'll see. But I think there are a handful of the Packers. I already, I'm, without even looking at their schedule, I would bet they're going to be value week two. But whoever Arizona's playing, like to me, Kyler's very, very scary in September. And if he's healthy, I mean, he'd be scary wherever. But early on, when he's just, how do you replicate that speed? Especially these guys that like, let's say you're a starter for Tennessee, and you played a total of 15 snaps in the preseason, and then they have some random dude at practice like, our Kyler Murray is uh, is our practice squatter who was a wide receiver slash running back for Weber State, you know, but he, hey guys, he runs a 4-3, so hey, hey Billy, just run around like your Kyler, and the defenders are like, okay, it's like, that ain't the same. That's just, right, that's just what they do. It's your only choice. What else do you, how do you replicate that guy in practice? You have to typically take a wide receiver probably and throw him there. And even then, if you're not trying to tackle him, it's not the same. I know. So like, they play Minnesota. That's just a tough game for Minnesota. Well, Green Bay plays Detroit. That one doesn't quite work either. No. But I I think Seattle-Tennessee is one that I think the tickets, people betting on Seattle, will be high. At Tennessee, that that line, couldn't you see that line getting up to like five or six? All of a sudden, Tennessee's leading. Like, that's the type game that Seattle... Yeah. But they're just... This will be the thing to watch. They're good, though. They are good. Like, that's a tough... Like, what do the Niners do against those guys? Who do they fucking have covering those guys? When when Seattle looks locked in, Seattle looks like one of the greatest teams you've ever seen. It happened early last year. Russell was going to break the NFL passing touchdown record. Single season. Yeah, when they're good, they they can beat anybody. You know? So, the bottom line is this. Yeah, sometimes they play down, and yeah, Kyler wears down at the end of the season, I guess so far in his career and yeah cliff we're not quite sure if he's a very good if he's a good coach but when you're on the field playing them and no one is there to help you, your coach isn't there to help you your better coach isn't i mean he can help you a little bit can you contain kyler he's already been a problem for the 49ers we know the seahawks like and we're watching sunday night football like guess what it's gonna work matthew stafford and the rams well, how about how about this? They remember a guy that got hurt for them last year, midseason, at least probably week eight to ten range, was Chandler Jones. He had five sacks today. Now, is he gonna have eighty five sacks? I did five times seventeen, eighty five. Probably not. But could if Chandler Jones is healthy at the all season, could he have twenty five sacks? Yeah. Like he's a because you just get five, and you're already that talented. Like, he is a 15-, 16-sack guy. So if you get one game where you get five, you just have a couple other ones where you get double digits. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Not like double digits, w- but... 
I meant double digit, like two sacks in a game. Yeah. Like, so if you have a couple two sack games, all of a sudden you're fucking at 10 before you know it by week six. You're like, well, these last 11 games, you only need to get nine sacks and you're right there. That I, I just, he's a force, man. I remember Joe Staley talking about him a couple years ago. He's like, well, this guy is just, <laughs> that's when they were bad. And he was one of the best players. Bill traded him. Like they do, they do have a lot of talent. Their, their question is just coaching. Right, I think and even Tyler can he sustain? I think even Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons for all there was already been like, man, is he a bust? Talk. I mean, he let him in tackles, and had a pick. Yeah, I mean, he is like six four. This roving, I don't even know. He doesn't really have a position, but he just he you you feel his presence out there, especially now he's wearing the single digit. The qu- like those two teams. Here's what I will say: so obviously, Seattle's done it for a long time, and we're watching the Rams do it, and Arizona did it. The high end. When these teams are on, and the Niners do just have to play them a total of six times, all three of those high end are like they could beat anyone in the league on any game by 15, 20 points, right? Yeah, and you typically don't play down in divisional games. So the divisional games you're getting, I think we've seen it over several years in the NFC West now, you're just getting the best shot. Well, it's why so many played up. Many, well, they've played in a ton of good games, I feel like, against Seattle. Yeah. So and the, and the, against the Niners too, like they they do play up. You're right, they play up. They they are the most likely, I would say, to also play down. It's just because their quarterback can make a bunch of plays, so it looks like they're playing up. It's just not. This guy is just keeps you up at night. They just all three, the number one just keeps you up at night. Yeah, was the number one overall pick in the draft, and he's on their team. Sometimes we, we I don't think we quite even talk about him. Like this guy was the number one overall pick. Yeah. at five foot nine. It's a pretty historic pick. Well, right now there is there is a historic pick. Right now there's a five nine guy went number one to play quarterback in the NFL. There's a there's a clear clear number four at quarterback in terms of playmaking in, in the in the NFC West, and it's the nine it's the Niners. Yeah, but it was somewhat like that. I mean, obviously he was you know playing better in golf the year they went to the Super Bowl, but that year was Kyler's rookie year, and remember he played him tough in 2019. And obviously, Russell was much better in that good Jimmy season in 2019. Like, Jimmy, when they've been good in the past, has never been, you know, like viewed as like a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, but they drafted a new guy because they think that's what you need, which is true. Uh, yeah. By the way, Keegan on the YouTube says, big Bears fan here, and watching this Sunday night game is the ultimate blue balls. It's thirteen to sell. Oh, it's thirteen to seven. The Bears scored at the half. It's not done yet. Dalton threw Dalton threw a pick early on. I saw that they were driving in the red zone in the baby zone. They could have been. Uh, Rogers threw a baby zone pick today. Yeah, too. Fields did appear. One of one nine uh, nine yards. He completed a pass. Uh, other week one things that happened, John, in the NFL. We mentioned the Packers. Little yes. How about the how about Aaron Rodgers having a commercial where having he's like playing an acoustic guitar? I didn't. It was on mute. I didn't quite catch it. I didn't see it. But it's like the long hair and the look is part of the commercial where he's like just like some dude playing a guitar. Um, you think that's why he did it, or they built the commercial around his look? No, I think they built it. He's had long hair before. Remember back in the day? Yeah, I think he, he has. just he probably has always wanted to go back to the long hair. You have the final score up in front of you right now. Uh, was it? Uh, yeah, thirty-eight to three. Yeah. <laughs> that's 38 to three Rogers 15 to 28 for 133 no touchdowns two picks Jameis 14 to 20 for 148 does not sound the line of a guy who's going to score 38 points but five touchdowns and looked pretty good I yeah, he I've been good. a doubter of this but it he looked good well I think that is a good example of a game 
I, I, I think this guy gets in the NFL community, he gets put on this level, but the fans do not talk about him like this. The NFL views him and like Andy Reid as equals. But I think most people, if you just ask a fan, like Andy's the best offensive guy in the league. People, Sean Payton, they kind of poo-poo a little bit. Like, you know, no, he's elite. Like, he's going to be a factor. A major factor. Think about this guy, Michael Thomas. I don't know why I follow him on Twitter, but he was tweeting all game. Like, obviously, he's at home. You know, huh. he's got a fucked up leg. But he Who's misses decided? it. Misses it? Yeah, like he wants to be playing? There was some question. Yeah, well, you know, he was like rooting on his guys. Like, you know, he was kind of talking some shit. Like, he was getting fired up. But my point is, they did 38-3 to with... Hell, he might be their highest paid player. At home tweeting. He probably is, actually. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say he is. Uh, D. Anthony says, check out the running stats in that game. Okay, let's check him out. I got him right here. Uh... Green Bay ran 15 times for 43 yards. And New Orleans ran 39 times for 177 yards. 43 yards. Did you see the Saints? I think they have an undrafted free agent or a late round pick, a running back, that they liked a lot during training camp. So they went to Latavius, right, you know, going into week one, and they said, listen, you're scheduled to make 3-3. We'll keep you on the roster, but you got to make, you know, one nine or whatever. But you get to stay and we'll keep you on the team and you get to just play your role. He did the classic, like, you know, pride, cut my ass. Like, okay. You know, oh, I thought, and, but, but they did the thing where they gave him like three minutes to decide. Yeah, but I'm just saying like they gave him an, like he, I think he probably had to know, like part of his agent job would be, you know, going into the season. I know, but on, they have some cap deals. It's not the thing to do. I understand. It's like, like you're just so pit because they put you in a corner. They're like, oh, by the way, sorry, I know your contract becomes guaranteed in like 20 minutes. Forgot to ask. Are you willing to take a 50% pay reduction? You, I, and like I, you're, I'm you want the guy to I'm say, up no, I know, whatever the number is. I'm just saying when you do that to the guy, you want him to say, cut, no, you asshole, cut me. That's what you want him but to it say. Is, it is the wrong move to say that when you end up, he's not going to be on a team week one. He wasn't. Of course. And his contract will not be guaranteed. So yeah, I'm not like, calling it, him a it's victim. It's a good example I'm just of saying, not letting emotions. Uh, yeah, I understand, but they pride. they you're pissed not just because they put you in that spot, but because you know that they're going to look you right in the eye and go, "I I dare go ahead and back down and take the money." Right. Well, well, Latavius, the moment you say, "No, I'm not going to take a pay cut, cut me." They've already texted the league office the, yeah, the I'm not, you're, you are right. I'm just saying they. It what pisses you off is that you know they want you to say, "I'm out." Middle finger, like, oh, okay. Yeah, you got manipulated a little bit, and you lost. And there may not be a way to <laughs> may not be a way to work that. Uh, what else? Uh, Jerry Judy. Somebody uh, Raider fan in the chat said earlier, uh, "Prayers up for Jerry Judy." Uh, I, I think it's good news, high ankle sprain, which is not good, but better than what looked like a season-ending injury for him. Yeah, not ideal, but you know, better than a shattered ankle. Patrick on YouTube says Cam to Washington is uh, is Fitz done for the year? Is that do we know what the hip uh, the no, status they, of the hip injury? No, they didn't know. I, the last I read, he has an MRI MRI tomorrow that they're hoping for the best, but it could be season-ending. Uh, you know, Heineke had a moment in the wild card playoff game even though most yeah. humans had never heard of the guy, including myself. And it was like, God, oh, this guy's not terrible. It would be interesting, though, if, let's say, worst case, I'm not rooting for it, but Fitz is out for the year. 
do they bring in Cam? Because if they don't, then it's like, guys, Belichick doesn't want him and Ron Rivera doesn't want him. I'm sorry. Like, I'm out on the guy. Yeah. Not that I'm in on him now, but it's like there's nothing to be said anymore. Like, that tells you everything you need to know. Like, Ron would be somewhat desperate if Ryan Fitzpatrick is out for the season, right? That's Jimmy. Clearly, I mean, he beat him out. Heineke, or I mean, Heineke got beat out by Fitzpatrick. So, not in a good situation. And that uh, division, well, I guess only Eagles won. Because they lost. The Giants, Giants lost. lost. The Cowboys, Cowboys lost. lost. Yep. So they're in first place. Oh, no. Yeah, Philly's Eagles in first are. place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeezy says, any college football thoughts? Yeah. I got a few. I, You no. know, one thing, last week, UCLA won, and there's some people, if you follow the Pac-12, that were uh, spent more time complaining about the Pac-12 North going 1-5 and five, as if divisions matter. Like, Clemson has shown, have, be, have a great team or two, and that way, depth is overrated. Depth in leagues is overrated. Have a couple of great teams. That's what you, Now, ideally, you have great teams and you're deep, and your great teams beat other really good teams. That's the ideal. But that's not the first step you need to take. The first step you need to take is have Oregon do what Oregon did, which was beat Ohio State, and not just beat them, but, but look like the better team control the whole game. Take several punches and respond and win. And UCLA against LSU, push them around too. And both times, both teams were more physical. So, I mean, that's far more important. Two teams have established themselves as the two best teams in the league. Surprise, surprise, it ain't SC again. And that's far more important than Washington just because somebody thought they were going to be good. They're, they're not. They're, they're clearly, they got some problems on offense if you've watched Washington. Issues. Oregon looks legit. And UCLA, they'll play Fresno State this week. They look pretty damn good. They both look legit, I, I think. I think it looks real on both of them. Now it's incumbent on those two teams to beat all the teams they're supposed to beat. Because if they beat the teams in front of them, they do play each other, which could be sweet, then, then they're golden then it doesn't matter that their opponents aren't ranked or that somebody's two and three when they play them. It's irrelevant if they play the way they've each played the first two weeks. We spent a lot of time on the West Coast saying we need somebody to step up and win one of those games. Well, UCLA did it last week. Oregon did it over the weekend against Ohio State. And so we got it. So I don't care what – I mean, I care, but like Cal lost to Nevada or the the league went X and and X. And TCU. Yeah, sorry, I meant TCU. The league went X and X. Okay. Well, you need a couple of great teams, first and foremost. Well, I think the SEC is a great example of that. This year, it looks like if I don't know what Jimbo's quarterback status is, but clearly the backup is a little questionable. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they they clearly have some talent, but if the backup quarterback is that, they could be screwed. The SEC's got two teams who are dominant right now. Alabama's on a completely different level, and Georgia is elite. Other than that, like I don't think Florida's as good. Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee sucks. A and M, like I just said, their quarterback position. Ole Miss, we'll see. Like they are, they're really a two-headed monster. And most years, they're a two or three-headed monster, and that's fine. But you need the ass kicker, right? Right now, ideally, you'd want like Ohio State, and then like five sweet teams. And your bottom feeders, no one even gives a shit. But I think the Pac-12 at this point will just take. What would they do? To get that Oregon-UCLA game, both teams undefeated. Oregon going down there to the Rose Bowl. Two top seven, eight teams. Yep. What would they do? I mean, I, anything. They're praying right now. <laughs> I'm praying right That's now. That's what you need. Yeah, we all are. So, and, and honestly, about that game, what would be so cool 
it's not just the Pac-12. It would be like Chip Kelly, who helped create this thing into a behemoth. Now, they're a behemoth again, but he's resurrected his career. Like, that would be pretty fucking cool. Like, that's a pretty sweet college storyline. Yep. Right? I know Chip would poo-poo it and won't care. And so would Crystal. But it's cool. Yeah. So would but Mar- Mario. I understand Mario doing it. Like, Chip, like, I'm sorry, Oregon put your ass on the map. Like, no one, no one, including the players at Oregon, knew who the hell you were until Bilotti hired you from New Hampshire. Like, that, Oregon did make that place. Like, even Mario, like... People in football knew about Mario Cristobal forever, right? The Miami, like he's famous in the South. Yeah. Right? As an assistant coach. Like that to me, like what's cool, hopefully, about this is like Chip is tied to Oregon, you know? Right. But you don't need the, that's that's the beauty. You don't need the coaches to participate in the hype machine. They just got to coach the football. No, I, I know, but it's it's got a chance to be pretty special. But it's got to play out that way. Right, right. And that's where like SC loses to Stanford. It's that's where losing games you shouldn't lose hurts is when Stan when Stanford gets beaten badly by Kansas State and then turns around and looks like they always look against SC and kick their butt and that's where the Kansas State game now really hurts you right so UW being bad twice really hurts you if they beat Oregon but only if but not if that's Oregon's only loss it doesn't not if it's Oregon's only loss I I do think though this year guy. I'm going to put Oregon in a different tier than UCLA because I don't think Edo was, they were struggling yesterday against McNeese State. Like LSU just might be average, even though I'm not diminishing UCLA. Like I know Ohio State's good. Like we just know for a fact, like they're loaded with talent. They have elite players. They're a top five talented program in the country. And when the dust settles, worst case, they'll be like 10 and two. You got to take care of business once you get that win, in my opinion. Well, of course, like, what, other really opinion? What, what other opinion is there? No, you I know, but take, I, I it's, think it's, it's. But I, I think you could, you, if we just talked it out, like you could have a loss. I think that a loss to a shittier team, if Oregon's like a you know a twenty point favorite, or what, would be a pretty big kick in the dick. Yeah, but it won't if matter you, in the you, end you, if you win the Pac twelve. If you win the championship, you end up in the playoff. Is my point. You think so? Yeah, especially if Ohio State's good, because you got a bad loss, but you had a very good win, right? You know, actually looks pretty good though. Is Iowa? Like, what if Iowa just is good? God, did you watch any of that game? They did look they were good. The shit out I know, of but it's p- painfully slow. Yeah, it's uh, Iowa, it's Iowa like, State. It's like, oh yeah, there, there's there's the Big good. Ten, well, and then there's Ohio State Big Ten. You know what I mean? Well, both those two there's teams' two best player, their run, their their running backs are both NFL guys, so they hand it off nonstop. You know what I'm saying? There's two they Big just, Tens, and Ohio State doesn't play old school Big Ten. They play Ohio no. State Big Ten football. But most of the other teams, Michigan, Iowa, right, Wisconsin, play. Big, Big 10, Ten football yeah, and yeah, do it well. Yeah. Like I watched Michigan and went like, this works. You know, this, they're yeah, going to work against Ohio State. Yeah, but it's, no, it won't work against Ohio different. State, but it, it's going to work against a lot of teams. Yeah. Cause the two guys that talked after the game were just the two running. Backs. Oregon can sometimes <laughs> play down. And so that's where UCLA we will see. I mean, we haven't seen UCLA in the spot under chip, right? Chip historically at Oregon would just, he was supposed to kick your ass. He kicked your ass. I don't know that, uh, you know, we'll see. I, Oregon, to do it without their two two of their three best defensive players was their quarterback was actually better than his numbers too. Anthony Brown, I thought was really impressive. But they did it. I mean, I it looks different because they run a spread offense, but they dominated. How many yards did the kid have running the ball? Uh, one sixty. No, but he had like two hundred total <laughs> catching. He had almost two hundred. One ninety five. CJ Fredell, I think, had total yardage. That guy's pretty good. I was impressed. Yeah, who wasn't? <laughs> I know. 
don't know. They looked they looked good. They, the true freshman tight end has actually scored one of their touchdowns, which I didn't expect. But to be down Kayvon Thibodeau and Justin Flo, the two of their three best players on defense, the SC one. It's funny you brought up Chris Peterson as the next USC coach. I I have you know we've both we've both anyone who's been around college football has heard for years. You know SC once upon a time. Chris talked to Pat Hayden, and they both agreed it wasn't quite a fit. It wasn't Chris's personality. He wasn't going to be a match for them. Uh, but I did watch him week one, week one of the college football season, which was last week, on TV, and I thought, I think he's coming back. I did think that. And I've not really thought that about him. I've kind of thought, you know what? He's enjoying it. But he's only 56. And he clearly, when you do the, I'm just living on the lake, but then you come back to TV, you clearly miss football a little bit. Guy, I understood when that happened five or six years ago or whatever. I do believe you could convince him and he could convince himself. Like Times have changed a little bit even since then. And I know you and I talked before we hit record. And it's, I mean, all the SC fans know. Is it Mike Bone? Is that the guy's name? The the USC AD? My my Twitter timeline is always fucking pissed off at him because, you know, he's always keeping Clay Hilton. But Luke Fickle... You know, you just, it's an automatic move when you hire a new AD. What school is he coming from? And if his coach is sweet, well then, and the school's an upgrade, you're like, well, he'll just hire that guy. Listen, Luke Fickle's a Midwest guy. Look at his resume. That's where he thrived. Chris Peterson's a lifetime West Coast guy who just dominated this conference at a program that is much more difficult in modern times to win at than USC. And I think if you hold on to the Pete Carroll thing too long, let's just move on. Let's just try to get the best coach. We don't need Pete's rah-rah. Like, Chip is anti-rah-rah, who poo-poos everything, who is zero fun, and is working right now at UCLA. Like, just just hire a good coach who is proven and really... did. Was it the first play of the game yesterday that the kicker got tossed for rejecting, yep. for targeting? Targeting. For making the tackle? Which I think is stupid. But I also thought it kind of symbolized that I bet this kicker thought, one, he's probably clearly a pretty good athlete but like maybe someone says like you go fucking do get these guys fired up like he thought he could make a play like what the fuck are we doing but in sc everyone's so desperate to try to like kind of prove their hierarchy on the squad because they don't have one and they just feel like lost without it. i went to bed at halftime i'm like this thing is over they look terrible and then i when i looked at the score today it got even worse in the second half till they kind of made a late score huh like they stanford yeah stanford ass. dominated Stanford dominated them. <laughs> was there was there at any a moment in the second half where you thought USC could win this game? No. Stanford looked fantastic, That's which again is historically is not abnormal. I see now. I, I disagree with you a little bit. I think Luke Fickle would be a phenomenal choice for them, except for one problem, which is he's an Ohio State guy, and so sometime maybe Ryan Day goes to the NFL, or maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Maybe it's not an issue. You'd be worried about him leaving potentially. Now Cincinnati's gonna Cincinnati's moving on up in the world. He can make a ton of money. He doesn't have to leave. And if Luke Fickle made it known he wanted to go, he could take any job he wanted. He could be LSU's next coach if he wanted to be. I don't know if he wants you to go. Dan Hawkins said, "It's the Big, Big 12. Twelve. It's not intramurals, brother." <laughs> um, Isn't that where but, they're going? Did they just get invited? Yeah, but I, but yeah. But I still think it's. I still think for all the issues, USC is still a unique job given its access to talent. Um, the location is a big deal, and he has been incredibly successful. Like twelve and four, thirteen and ele- uh, sorry, eleven and two, eleven and three the previous two years, and then nine and one last year. Um, 
I think he'd be a great choice. I would take Chris Peterson number one because I think what what Pete Carroll did at SC is what great coaches do wherever they go. Whatever the personality of the program is, they impose their personality on the operation. And so all the all the all the stuff that people are trying to match with SC, like the flash, it's it's not what defines Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll gets the best players to play like the best players. Back to Mike Tomlin's thing on flying coach a while back that we talked about. Coaches get too worked up on, I got my B-level talent to play like an A-level guy. No. Do you get your A-level guys to play like A-level guys all the time? That's what Pete Carroll's USC teams were. And we talk about sometimes Seattle is a little weird in terms of performance, but Seattle was the same deal. Like A-level players play like A-level guys. And so, you know, that's really the thing that, that we thought Chris Peterson was going to jump to UW. He started getting A-level talent, and, and, they, and he, he, did, he went to a playoff. So I don't care about what SC, like, is supposed to be. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is that you win the games. And if you win the games, guess what? It'll be cool. You'll have plenty of – there will be plenty of flash to go around if you're winning the football games because it'll be cool. So you just pick the guy that's going to win you the football games. But I think in some I, I ways also, it's almost him that has to be convinced more than than maybe the AD would have to be convinced. I, my my theory and my philosophy, and I feel very strongly about this, I do think where you're from matters in college football. And you bring up the Ohio State thing, but I just think his ethos is the Midwest. And like you said, ultimately he has his trump card. If that job ever became open and they came after him, he's just going home. Now, every once in a while, once upon a time, Roy Williams turned down North Carolina. He ended up going, right? Remember Les Miles? Should have taken this job, but turned down Michigan. Michigan man, it happens. But where were those guys? One guy was at Kansas the first time he turned it down, right? Basketball. The other dude was at LSU football and competing for national championships, which you could do at USC. So who knows? But like, I I do feel very comfortable historically on the West Coast. Jim Harbaugh went to Palo Alto High School. Pete Carroll, West Coast guy, went to Pacific, played football there, and like got his football start out here, right? It, uh, Chris Peterson, Boise. You know, Washington, West Coast guy. Chip, somewhat of an outlier, but he inherited a program that was resurrected and created a consistent winner. Mike Bellotti, West Coast guy. Jeff Tedford, winner, right, the last couple decades. Fresno State and Cal. Winning his coach in Cal history. West Coast guy at his core. There is something to just, and, and no different than like when you hear all the SEC coaches talk, it's like, yeah, Jimbo, Kirby, they should be there. That's what kind of makes Lane unique. Yeah. Kind of is... Kind of can go. I, 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 I'm a strong believer in that. Now, Luke Fickle, I don't know him. I'm not saying he would fucking probably win. I'm just, my trump card would be, I'm, I'm leaning with the West Coast guy. Also, yeah, we the disagree one thing on you know that. about him, the one thing to you know degree. about Peterson, too, is he, is he now has on his resume, unlike Luke, where he has consistently coached in the Power Five Conference for years. Like he, that, His resume is, I, to me, he's on a separate platform than Luke. He did what well, Luke yeah, did at Cincinnati, more. at Boise. Yeah. He's, it's, there's no question he's accomplished more. But, but to me, the reason to hire him is not because he's from the West Coast. It's, it's because no, no, of no. the success No, no, no. I'm just saying like, that to me is his check mark that he has. I, I think what happens a lot with guys who are from other places is that, A, if they don't understand the culture they're coming to, it's a problem. And then, B, if they're not from the area, generally what happens is fans of a team want one of their guys. And so when you don't yeah. hire one of their guys, that guy doesn't get much rope. Now, if he wins right away, he could be one of their guys real fast. 
Mario Cristobal, unique because he was an assistant on Willie Taggart's staff. But Willie Taggart was not from out here. Well, Willie Taggart was from there, and that didn't work either. So, right, he was from Florida State. He was from there, and that failed miserably. Let's say Haberman and Middlecoff were from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and we were 35 years old. And in the early 2000s, this guy named Nick Saban was coaching at LSU, winning a natty, kicking our ass. Do you think, I mean, we were diehard Bama fans. We'd probably hate Nick Saban, right? We don't want the fuck that guy. <laughs> and then five years later, he takes over the program. You know, you're, you're, you're like, oh, you know. No, yeah, see, I good. think it's more geography. I think like West Coast people don't like a coach that talks with a Southern accent. And Southern guys don't like guys that come from California because they're soft. And I think, I don't think it, I think the Midwest, you're probably, you're the probably, Midwestern you're guy right kind of works anywhere. Like no one's like, I don't want the Midwestern guy. Like that usually is fine. Yeah, it's what Urban felt like. Yeah, and I think Fickle probably just has some, like, you know, full uh, perspective on everything. I think it's more South versus West Coast that tends to happen. Sonny Dykes comes to Cal, and Cal guy's like, oh, no, this guy's not one of them. He doesn't, he doesn't belong here, right? Our guy at Florida. They hate Jim him. Jim McElwain, yeah. Yeah. Irony is he had been in Alabama. I know. And he wasn't a West. Where, where did Mac grow up? Isn't he like, Montana, yeah, right? It's not a West Coast. I mean, but I guess that's kind of. Feels more Midwest than anything else, and he and I actually feel like he kind of he has a very, but he has a very <laughs> West Coast vibe to him. Yeah, you know, sandals and t- shorts just and stuff. you know, just a, yeah, <laughs> it was a, just a good. So uh, it's a it's it, it's it's about a guy that. But has don't. But if, if you said Jim McElwain, like where would he thrive? He thrived at Colorado State. Like if you told me he got the Washington, he done well in Florida, State Oregon State. I know, but don't you feel like he would really be a good Pac-12 coach? Like that's probably where he's most suited to be. Yeah, I think, be, I think he would do well. I think he'd do well in the Big Twelve. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look. It, it happens to align. I wouldn't hire somebody just because of that, but it just happens to be that this guy is an incredible candidate. Who we here's the thing we know about him. He's not interested. Probably I don't know this, but he's not interested in just coaching anywhere. Like he values where he is. He went from Boise to UW. He was an Oregon guy. Went to UC Davis. Like he's got the circle is not. Well, that I think big, he, right? he's a Pacific. I do Northwest think he'd make. I think he'd make more sense at Cal. Now, are they? It would. How bad would Wilcox get fired? I see. I don't. I do think he'd. I do think he'd make a lot of sense at that university uh, in that culture. Uh, Wilcox is his guy. Kinda, but but but, but like he's been to the college football playoff. Are you capped at Cal based on just some of the requirements there? I would have said most people would have pushed back to say that Washington could have made the f- football playoffs before he did it. But they won a national. Like Sark- th- I mean, they won. A, I mean, it's a long. No, time but ago, I mean, twenty five years ago. Yeah, I would say historically the program, but like in the f- they were not. Yeah, but, Sark was but I'm just saying NFL players. But, but what I'm saying is that Washington they care a lot about football. At Cal, like there are some people who like think sports are dumb. One hundred percent. But Jeff Tedford, like his era, if the college football playoff would have been around, they would have been picked several years to like be a sleeper to make the playoffs. And I think, yeah, he might be an outlier there. Why not? But I don't. You think if Chris Peterson went to Cal, they would have success? But I don't know if he can get the same players that Tedford used to at Cal. Well, he wouldn't recruit them because they're not OKGs, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying there's not some level of fit there. There is, but but that's the same thing at, at SC. Like they want you to recruit Marshawn and Deshaun. Like is. Peterson recruiting those guys? He kind of did it at Washington, but there was a balance, right? Took LeGarrette Blunt at, at, Bo- at the... Oh, no, sorry. LeGarrette was against, played against him. Never mind. Chip had LeGarrette. No, he, he, that, was, yeah, that was Chip's Chip, first year. LeGarrette hit, or did the, his guy hit? I LeGarrette think LeGarrette hit, hit his guy. Yeah. 
yeah, uh, uh, Hout his guy. Uh, was his last name? Yeah. Someone to be Bryson Hout or something like that. Who was who was the quality control guy when I was scouting going through Mike Leach's uh, his first year at that Washington was State? Hout was on his staff. Yeah. Uh, Russell says LMAO week one. Kyle should have taken Mac talk. We haven't even gotten to that. Oh, maybe that's a response. I think that was uh, happening in the chat. Maybe. Yeah, Mac Jones. I thought he was going to win week one, John. Fields is in the game right now. Like in in the game or just kind of a package? Well, I don't Here know. Comes first, Andy. First and ten, they put him in the shotgun. Andy's coming back. I'm That's just looking up at the TV. Andy and his mustache coming out of his face mask. Zone read. You're ahead of me because I'm. Uh, you streaming? I'm streaming it. Yeah. All right. Uh, big week ahead, everybody. Long, long pot here. I guy. know. Big one. Uh, time to eat, as they say. <laughs> uh, a lot coming up this week. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Share the video. Share the stuff. We appreciate it. And uh, I think we, I mean, it's probably not everything. We got a lot to, we got to figure out what our lock of the week is going to be this week after a push. Yeah. Um, the Raiders. Oh yeah, that's right. Monday night football. Can't wait for that. They better got really quick. Steelers look pretty good today. Kind of kicked shit out of the bills. I mean, that's games. That's who the Raiders play next week. <laughs> you think, At terrible towels. You think there's a chance the Raiders win Monday night football? I do. I do. Just, I do. Well, not going to be only one Monday night. See... One only one Monday night game this year, but seven broadcasts. <laughs> That's right, nine people on the combined broadcast. So what? Group. So what they what they lose in the multiple games? They they continue on multiple broadcasts. Yeah, that's right. So, that's a good point. I I've only seen promos for the Peyton and Eli one, not for the other channel. It's rare that they push ESPN two over ESPN, but I think that's uh, that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, here, I, right? I've uh, I've gotten that same vibe. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for hanging. Adios. <laughs>